Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Helix mattresses have been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You can take the Helix sleep quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10-15 to year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash drink. That's helixsleep.com slash drink. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Four minutes after our scheduled time, and we're recording. This is a record. That's pretty remarkable. 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 Do you remember the one time when Eva didn't show up and we somehow figured it out? Like, yeah, managed? within like 15 minutes. Like, that was impressive. But four minutes? I mean, come on. I mean, to be <laughs> fair, it is probably because of our bad attitude today. Yeah, the vibes are off. I don't yeah. know what the situation is. Not with each other, but just like, I just, just woke up and I just know that the day and I are not going to get along. It's just Monday, <laughs> you know, Monday morning. Yeah. And Eva was like, how was your day? And before I got on and Emma was like, Ugh, fine. And then I hopped on and Eva was like, how's how was your flight home, Christine? And I was like, fine. And I was like, poor Eva's like, just trying to lighten the mood and we just have bad I know she's so. uh, maybe that's why we started so early because she's never need, like left in such a she hurry she just wanted to be out of here I don't blame her um <laughs> I think maybe that's why the vibes are off because we never re- record on Monday mornings so maybe I'm just like I feel like we always record on like Wednesdays or maybe you just in the feel the, the vibes of the rest of corporate America yeah I'm like oh I'm back yeah oh, not again um I know I felt you know speaking of the vibes are off I like did not see you at all we literally did an entire show together and I think I spent maybe five minutes with you maybe like if that because we did the LA show and I flew in that day and then Eva and Rachel and I got tattoos have you seen my tattoo yet no I literally didn't even I did here's what happened I got to um the I got to the venue, which like, I think it's, it was also weird because like, like hometown shows are so weird to me. They and I know are weird. I know it's, a, a, it wasn't necessarily the same for you this time. Cause you don't live here, but it yeah. is very odd to not go through like the rigmarole of like a car and a hotel and then staying away from your family and your friends, and not really knowing the city. Yeah. And then having to get a plane the next day. Like it was just really weird that I could be at the theater and in 20 minutes I could be on my couch watching TV. It's like, it's yeah. just like weird, like complete change of environment and um uh but so it was already weird because i didn't see you at all until the show because you were out doing your own stuff and i was just like sitting at home on the couch and then i drove to the theater didn't see you until we were on stage because i couldn't 
get to the green room because I can't do stairs still with my stupid heart. Then I saw you on stage. And then by the time we were like all wrapped up, you, it was, you were so sleepy and you were already in the car and we, and you just drove off and I went, <laughs> I just drove home and I just went, Oh, okay. I'll see you in Texas. To be fair, I guess. We were like there like an hour after the show, but you and Eva have so many friends. I have like one friend in LA and Homie, so they there were, were like 25 people were there. They were all Eva's friends. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God. I feel like we had like a, a, a room full of, uh, we were we looked strangers. Like, we looked like divas with a, a whole posse. A posse. And I was like, damn. Every, everyone that came downstairs to the green room after the show, I was like, I don't know who you are. I don't either. <laughs> and they they knew us from watching us for an hour on stage. So I was like, wow, this is a weird dynamic. Yeah. But anyway, it was weird because I I saw you with my eyes and we talked to each other through a scripted show on stage. And then after that, I you just were in the car and, and left. Yeah. And I went, well. I'll see you at the next show then. And it was... <laughs> see you in Texas. Like, I didn't get to ask you how your flight was. I didn't even know you got oh, well, a, guess a what? tattoo. Um, I... It was fine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> What's your uh, tattoo, Christine? Have you... You don't even know what it is? No. Oh, my God. Okay, he still has the bandage on, so it looks a little gnarly, but he's a moth. Is that a moth? Oh, my God. He's a moth. Why didn't you put little glowing red eyes on him? <laughs> You could just put like those like two little like circle pieces of tape, like two little <laughs> red dots whenever you want. Oh, you could put googly eyes on him. Oh, that's fun. Now that well, so, is something. Yeah. So I got this moth and um, actually the tattoo artist ended up coming to the show, which oh. was hilarious. Oh, I think I do remember hearing about that or something. Yeah. Ash uh, is their name. And so uh we went and got these tattoos and i wanted a moth but i didn't want to tell you because it was a surprise obviously mm. uh, a surprise that we never even did because we <laughs> didn't is, have time <laughs> it's certainly a, a monday surprise <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so I, uh, I was like oh i'd like the moth and, sh and she goes well which one and i said oh this one and then she goes oh the jack-o-lantern moth and i went that's what it's called what but yeah it's a jack-o-lantern moth i'm gonna try and show the camera here um because it has like different little uh here now that is a de that's a detailed moth right there she's got I fuzzy know. little hairs on her ears i know i love her um we can post a photo on instagram because i oh and that was the other thing i wore the same shirt that i wore when you took me to get my first tattoo in 2017 oh. so i had eva take a photo of me holding the other arm out like you took a photo of me with my first tattoo very um, sweet i do weigh like 45 50 pounds more than i did in that first photo so it is gonna oh. look like a before and after that i'm not trying to do <laughs> but just... well also especially because your other tattoo is a different animal and you're like look at the transformation it went Completely from an elephant different to a animal. Yeah. and uh, also that shirt now has so many holes in it and my mom keeps telling me to throw it away and I just refuse what shirt was it it's that little pinstripey drapey shirt and mm. it just has so many holes in it and my mom yells at me every time I wear it uh, but it's my tattoo shirt so all right hey you, you said it officially here so you anyway, have to keep it so now well if you want to see the the moth folks you can go on our instagram i'll i'll make megan post a photo of it well that's very fun but i uh yeah i heard something about the tattoos and then i meant to ask you but it's poor eva whenever we're uh, uh we're about to go on and i'm just like such a like ball of nerves for no reason i it's really like charlie brown's teacher like wah, 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 wah. yeah when, i know <laughs> when someone's trying to talk to me i'm like i am half here i'm so sorry but like my brain <laughs> is just so like 
my primal instinct thinks I'm not going to survive the next five minutes. So I am tunnel visioned on everything else. So yeah. I remember hearing Eva say, oh, we got tattoos. And then I think I said like, oh, tell me about that later. <laughs> I was like, I don't, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I do care, but I just can't. I can't. My brain would not allow me to absorb it today. Um, I'm so happy you got to have a little fun in L.A., though, because I really I I somewhere in there i knew you got a tattoo with eva but i also was afraid that you just like got off a plane and just were alone in la until the show so i'm no eva was kind and took me under her furry moth wing oh that's so sweet (laughs) i do you think what can i see the detail again is it too detailed that you can't color her in every now and then with a little crayon oh i could color her in. she's like a little coloring book you're totally right that's what i was gonna say like with enough tattoos and a baby who's about to start coloring everything oh you're so right you really should just get like a circle a square and a triangle and like put it on you somewhere (laughs) and just let her go to town you know so eva says to be fair um, you said I will be so excited about that after the show. <laughs> what a the most wh- passive aggressive! Like, sorry. stop talking to me. <laughs> I did not mean it to. I'm sorry, Eva. I, no, I like it. <laughs> I think I was trying to assert a boundary while also not being fully cognizant of my surroundings. With your feelings, you don't want. You, you're like, I don't care that Christine is once again altering her body. <laughs> without telling me i do i do i i want to be part of the pack i was just also so scared i was gonna die for no reason <laughs> so. yeah yeah i mean you know this or that uh, things no. to focus on all right well i'm glad we had a good show we, we are in our last handful now and it's i know i keep saying I it but i i'm really in my head like i i am trying to actively really enjoy the last couple ones because i know this is it so it's, well, you're not doing a good job considering you think you're gonna die every 10 minutes that's my brain but my heart is very excited so okay good <laughs> it's also a little broken so i can never trust it again so i don't know where i stand totally but um interesting that uh oh what are you drinking before we start oh i'm drinking an iced pumpkin spice latte with oat milk thank you what are you drinking i'm drinking an h2o baby you know got it <laughs> It's a Monday morning, and I certainly didn't drink any water during the weekend, so. I said Starbucks it is for me today. I I will probably get Starbucks as a, my, as a little ha-ha treat afterwards, so. Ha-ha. Um, okay. It's interesting that your little moth fella has a name, Jack-O-Lantern, because. <gasps> is that what the episode is? It's involved, yeah. So um, I have a cousin. That was the dumbest guess, uh, guess ever. Is that what our episode is about? Like, what, It kind of, of is. It is. Why else would you have said, that's so interesting, you say jack-o'-lantern? I'm, I feel like I'm just really slow with the connections today, and I apologize. It would be very silly if I actually was just going to throw a fun fact at you, and, and then the story's like, no, totally different. It has nothing to do with anything. Um, no, I've got a lovely, lovely cousin, Megan, who listens to the show, and... Uh, you have a cousin named Megan? I know. I know. How do but I not know this? Because I actively don't mention her. Why else? <laughs> with a uh, name like that. I know. And <laughs> uh, so she... Uh, she has does a lot of sees like a lot of like our instagram live streams and i guess uh she saw that our halloween episode that i just covered i basically did a choose your own adventure because i let you pick from three of the main topics that were suggested and then i got a, a personal a text being like you know what that's not what you promised in an instagram live stream for what you were going to do for halloween this year and i went <gasps> oh well of course megan you would call me out on my bullshit of course. Uh, 
didn't even know it, but apparently there was bullshit to be called out. And um, basically she let me know that I promised uh, somewhere in the world uh, that I was going for Halloween. I was going to cover Halloween traditions. Oh! Um, Like why things are the way they are when we celebrate Halloween. Okay, that's really fun. So I guess you're getting two Halloween episodes out of me, folks. So I know Halloween just technically ended mm, well no because the one that just technically happened was winchester which we haven't even talked about oh my Um, god but two weeks ago was halloween so now we're doing like a three in a row like we're sandwiching spooky yeah we're saying we got we got you got a big episode and then you got a halloween and a halloween on the other side so that's what Mm -hmm. i'm gonna cover um uh and then press pause on that should we talk about the Winchester Mystery House? Oh, I don't know. I didn't know if you didn't bring it up on purpose or not. No, totally blanked. Because Eva literally right before we hit record was like, you can talk about the Winchester Mystery House. And then you actively didn't. And I was like, okay, maybe we're choosing not to. No, I just, my brain just forgets things and like a goldfish. <laughs> okay. I never know. I always want to be like on the same page. And then sometimes I'm like, okay, we're deleting this page. Got it. To be fair, I would also like to be on the same page, but my brain really takes the rain sometimes and goes, <laughs> what page? There's no book. There's <laughs> so, no fuck books. I would uh, throw it out the window. Oh well, my we God. Go ahead, tell them if all. If you haven't listened to that, our 300th special spooky episode, I flew out to freaking San Jose, and so did Em and Eva, and we went to the Winchester Mystery House just to record our 300th episode, and it was so cool and magical and creepy and fun, and on Patreon, we have a walkthrough that we, a video walkthrough that we're going to post just for patrons of the actual house. Um, but uh, the episode itself, we covered ghost equipment, and then I told like uh, our listeners' stories. So you might not have even expected it if you were listening, and I pulled your story, and you were like, <laughs> "What the hell? This isn't even a listeners' episode." But I pulled a bunch of stories about people who had used, gotten EMFs. We even played some EMFs. Oh my gosh, it was so fun and so creepy. Um, and we were in the carriage house at the Winchester Mystery House when we filmed it. So it's also on YouTube. Oh, Emma, it was a great time, wasn't it? It was a great time. It was uh, especially nostalgic because Winchester was our first episode ever. And right. so for us to have talked about it, because we also did a like a revival 2.0 episode of it. So f- at least for me to have talked about it so many times and to have done the research so many times to be in her house and we got to be alone in her house, which was yeah. the crazy part. Like it yeah. didn't even feel like we were on like a normal tour. We were just we got, moseying like, back, around. The back doors tour. Uh, and shout out to our tour guide who like absolutely was um, a homie because there was a bunch of Halloween uh, like they, they were setting up for Halloween. So they had all these like crazy decorations where things might jump out at you. So the Winchester house at night as they were trying to set all that up also became like a weird jump scare attraction. And- uh, yeah. And our tour guide, Amelia, was like not having it either with all the jump scares and i was like you're supposed to be the one who knows what's going on and is leading us but we were all in the same boat of like maybe a disembodied head will fall from this beautiful ornate ceiling oh my gosh it was it was a cool the coolest tour ever though also um shout out to like i don't know if it's like work ethic or like um just a drive to like doing what you love or something. But Amelia really fucking loves the Winchester house. And Oh, it was so fun. Like had just, it was throwing all these facts out that I feel like tour guides aren't even talking about. And was just like clearly, clearly vibing with her job. She also does all the social media. So if you follow TikTok, us, uh, the Winchester mystery house is TikTok, by the way. Um, 
it's we fangirled a little bit. We were like, "You're behind the TikTok? That's amazing!" Because we we watch the TikTok. They're very they're very very clever uh, lol videos, and I'm just impressed every time. So anyway, uh, not only was she funny, she was very nice. She's also a massive fan of Sarah Winchester. She showed us all the goods. She ta- taught us about all the behind the scenes ghosts. Uh, she mm-hmm. told us about uh, oh, but yeah, the carriage house we were that we were in apparently was also Sarah Winchester's car wash that she just randomly built yeah, one she time just built a car wash attached to the carriage house so that the car- carriage could just be rolled on in and washed like a shower amazing amazing yeah. it was a it was a blast it was a uh a, a nanny. it was and uh a lot of that footage will be on patreon our walkthrough tour it was just uh it wouldn't work for in the actual episode so but right. the episode of us in the carriage house is also on youtube um or the audio version and it was a blast. And I also want to thank everybody who sent in stories that they didn't know I would be reading on the show. Um, some of the uh, emails were from like 2017. So they Aww. probably don't even listen anymore. But, uh, you know, if you know the, that person, let them know that I gave them a little shout out on the on the show. Um, yeah. And they'll come back <laughs> to finally hear their story five years later. Oh, no, but it was it was such a good time. So um, I hope everyone enjoyed watching us also try to be cameramen away from Zoom, which was LOL scary. But we had um, to remember how tripods worked. Yeah. <laughs> and memory cards. Um, OK. But other than that, yeah, it was a great time. Now we're back in Halloween, our Halloween bullshit. I know. Yeah. Well, I, I apparently just can't let go. Everyone else is like trying to get in the turkey spirit and I'm like not having it. <laughs> Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. I am so thrilled that we are working with Fast Growing Trees. I spent about an hour and a half on the website trying to decide what I would love to order from their products. They have so many options and you can actually filter it by zones, by growing zones to make sure you know it'll work in your garden. Um, they have everything from massive privacy shrubs and trees to very, very specific flowers. I actually ended up ordering a lilac shrub for my garden. I recently discovered how much I love the smell of lilac and so I thought, you know what? Perfect chance. Why don't I get some lilac growing in my yard? I think it's going to smell beautiful. And I also got my mom a little lavender plant as an Easter present. Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code DRINK at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code DRINK at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code DRINK. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Juni, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. And Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter 
has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com ATWWD, code ATWWD to save 20%. prettylitter.com ATWWD, code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So uh, just to really, I guess salute halloween one last time on our way out of 2022 i will be covering uh halloween traditions today and these are not uh like anything super religious like it doesn't really focus on like any um like pagan or it's more like the silly stuff like trick-or-treating and oh okay yeah okay what's silly about trick-or-treating i take it very seriously it's very silly but it's also very spooky stuff i gotta Uh be honest uh had no idea about so much of this okay Ooh, i'm excited okay here we go so first of all obviously uh i'm just gonna be talking about some of the nowadays sillier things like trick-or-treating but they all did come from like serious stuff um so it's important to for me to acknowledge that like there's a lot of Halloween traditions that are out there that either started uh, from serious matter or we just don't know where they came from at this point because Halloween has so many ancient roots and mm-hmm. so many different cultural traditions. So um, a lot's just been blended together over time. And really, the I don't I can't really trust every source because a lot of it is, oh, well, you know, it said that this it said that this and all we can really do is share the stories in good faith and um and roll with it so that being said great halloween is the night before all saints day which is actually a catholic holiday mm-hmm. and uh it's over a thousand years old and it honors the saints and the virgin mary um which i feel weird telling someone who went to catholic school their whole no, life that, listen but... it's it's a pretty fair assumption that i've immediately forgotten everything that was taught to me (laughs) well to me that was brand new information i was like get out of town (laughs) (laughs) so for anyone else who somehow missed that mark uh there you have it um fun fact the date for all saints day has changed so many times uh over the the centuries but eventually they landed on november 1st because even like the pope was over it and was like this is the official day (laughs) So uh, he decided November 1st and the night before October 31st uh, ended up becoming All Saints Eve or All Hallowed Eve because hallowed meant holy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we got All Hallows Eve, which I somehow missed every history and linguistics class of my life because I really thought All Hallows Eve, hallow just... I didn't even think of the word holy. I don't know what I thought, <laughs> but in my mind, I thought like a hollow, like sleepy hollow. Sure. Well, that's fair. But like thinking about like hallowed ground means like holy ground. Didn't even click. Didn't. Uh-huh. Not a little bit. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, so that's how October 31st came to be the day. And that being said, it's also thought Halloween comes from uh, the Celtic Fire Festival Samhain, which we've discussed Fire before. Firefest 2022. <laughs> uh, man, 
Sorry, I really have to control my thoughts because I almost really went on a tangent about Firefest. <laughs> We've done enough of those about Firefest in our lives. The silence you heard was my brain trying to go into manual. It was like, and it was, You were like pulling the emergency brake on the train and it just like the steel grinds against the rails. There's just sparks flying on the rails. Yeah. Um, okay, so it's... I like uh, that I'm the idiot who throws stuff in the path of your train. Just like, <laughs> let's talk about this. And you're like, no. I'm like, sorry. It's like, I'm Frogger trying to get across the street, but you're all of the 18 I'm wheelers. every car. <laughs> sorry. Um, so, okay. So Halloween is known to come from Samhain, which is basically, uh, they think it originated from the phrase summer's end. Because um, oh. Samhain is considered the... Uh, new year of the right. ancient times because it was the end of the fall harvest and it was basically the transition into the darker portion of the year the winter um and communities would have bonfires and livestock would be brought in for the winter and it was just a, a time for a lot of rituals uh, all at the same time so it was Aww. a good celebration for the fall harvest and on Samhain it was also believed that ghosts and fairies allegedly had better access to our world than usual because that was when our worlds were uh, when the veil was the thinnest mm. And so some say that the fairies would even move from community to community and prep for the transition into winter for themselves. Kind of like how we were uh, getting ready for or like we were ready for our own transition into the rest of the year. They would also be doing their own prep work. They're like hibernating. Yeah. And so uh, one fairy in particular was a uh, there's a shape shifting fairy called Puka. And uh, they're allegedly out after dark in the fields and collecting any leftover harvest. And uh, some think that you should bless your barn with holy water to, or some thought that you had to bless your barn with holy water to keep them out or else they would shape shift. And for their own um, preparation for the, for the winter, they would shape shift into an animal that would take the milk from your cows. So like, it would be like, Oh oh no, like a a bunny or, or something they would, go and steal milk from your cows i don't know if bunnies can do that but i would imagine only a calf could do that i imagine like or what about like the old human. the old movies of like a, like a cat drinking milk out of a cow's udder you know is that a thing like what about fox and the hound todd the fox loved milk from a wool cow okay but he could get it out himself i mean i imagine it's like any version of breastfeeding right you just kind of grab it the right well, way i don't know i don't know does a fox know how to okay let's not get into this conversation i mean we could really get into robert de niro's like you can milk any animal or or what was that Beat yeah the but uh yeah they would come in and milk your cows and whatever you say so uh here one story from the irish folklore commission is that some thought it was bad luck to be up past midnight uh around this time because that's when the fairies would come out well you and i are screwed at that that is that's true exactly what i thought too i was like mm-hmm. well then i tap out <laughs> i was like <laughs> okay then ireland's not where i'm supposed to be so take my cow and its milk yeah just take the milk keep the cow um and on top of all this the traditions of the time were um a lot spookier than they are now so uh because they came from i don't I don't know. They the rules were just different of the land back then. So one of the things that they would do for protection um, from these fairies or from the ghosts or anything that was coming through that usually didn't, and just to make sure that it you were spiritually protected, um, 
people would slaughter a chicken or an, a lamb and put its blood in the corners of their home or on oh. the fence posts of their land. Oh my. And uh, if you did this, uh, it was, uh, here's the weird part. I don't understand this part, but um, if you did that to protect yourself spiritually, you are also like almost locking yourself in and you couldn't operate any of the farm equipment while you were going through that ritual. Like day or night, you couldn't use the machine. So I feel like you almost tr trick yourself into like not being able to, to farm. That sounds like a treat to me to not have to do any, <laughs> operate any heavy machinery. That, a trick or a treat, I guess. Mm. I, uh, but yeah, I was like, oh, well, at least you're protecting yourself, but also now you can't farm. So, oh, you mean like because you can't leave your house or why? I don't know. It was just part of the thing it, that oh. if it was bad luck to operate any kind of oh, machinery. Oh, oh, I see. Okay. Okay. So I feel like it was like, oh, maybe you're playing a, a game with yourself at this point of like, you're. I guess you're spiritually protected, but now you can't actually work or provide on your home. So yeah, weird. Um, speaking of productions, uh, sound was not just a, like a time to celebrate, but it also was a time to be extra cautious of the spirits. Um, which obviously because, the veil was the thinnest. So a lot of traditions for Samhain started as ways to protect people from just general spiritual mischief. And one of them was the jack-o'-lantern, a.k.a. Okay. Mentioning your little moth earlier. Uh-huh. And my pumpkin spice latte. Yeah. Hey, okay. So we're. I'm glad that you came in spirit. Uh, I it, came unintentionally so prepared. Yeah, in high spirits. <laughs> uh, so speaking of jack-o'-lanterns, I have told you this before, because remember for a few years, um, whenever we did our Halloween episode, I would do like a little trivia game with you. Yes. In the beginning. Yes. Do you happen to remember what I told Absolutely you? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> so, Just kidding. I might, I might, I might. What's the question? Is that jack-o'-lanterns weren't always pumpkins. Do you know what they originally started out as? Oh, yeah. Turnips or mm -hmm. something? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. So uh, this is because, so people used to actually like carve lanterns out of vegetables um, just because it was cheaper than having to get real like glass lanterns. Quite and smart. It was renewable it's because like you, could you could relight it. like how you could make a bong it. out of an apple. Yeah. So they would use apples for bongs and turnips for That's lanterns. That's a bad idea. And... Um, so people would make these DIY lanterns anyway, but then for Halloween, they would carve faces into them to scare away the wandering spirits. Oh, my. And uh, it, uh, so I'll get into why it was turnips in a second. But before I do, this was another trivia question I asked you forever ago. But do you oh remember boy. the original name of the jack-o'-lantern? Oh, let's see. If I told you in a multiple choice, you would remember it, I think. Get turned up. Get turned up. No. Turn. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yes, you're right. Spooky smiles. I don't know. Oh, that's nice, but no. What is the, what is the answer? Um, it was, uh, Stingy Jack. Okay. I genuinely would not have remembered that. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I have no memory of that whatsoever. So Stingy Jack was the original name of Jack-o'-lanterns. <laughs> I uh, love that though. Because in, it was, well, the first time it was mentioned in writing was in 1836, but I think the story actually goes further back than that. And I want you to really sit back and enjoy this tiny little story because 
It's a silly one. Hmm. Um, allegedly, the devil came to collect the soul of a man named Stingy Jack. Oh, I do vaguely remember this already. So the devil was like, Stingy Jack, it's it's soul collecting time. You're not spending enough money on your Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And Jack, Step it up. Jack asked the devil, fine, I will go with you, but uh, let's get drinks first and celebrate <laughs> my life. And the devil was like, I, cool, cool, cool. Why all is right. the devil so stupid in all these stories? He's like, oh, okay, I'll have a beer. Yeah, see, that's why, if he's this stupid, why is anyone scared of him, you know? I'm saying. So... Uh, Jack is like, fine, I'll go down to hell with you, but uh, let's get some drinks. And the devil's like, that sounds like a great Tight. idea. Uh, and at the end of the night, uh, I guess when they're both a little fucked up, Jack <laughs> They had more than one drink, huh? Yeah. Well, it's the devil. Can you imagine him just taking a sip of something? You're and- right. No, no, no. He's it's just he's like getting- Jaeger. Shots of Jaeger. <laughs> something like ever clear. Yeah. Blech. Um. So... They're a little messed up, and Jack didn't have enough money to pay for the drinks, which apparently was well, like no shit. It was apparently Jack. crisis number one that he couldn't afford his drinks. You'd think the devil would just have like conjured drinks, but I guess they went to a true bar and <laughs> he couldn't pay the bill. Um, and so he said something to the devil and was like, Hey, devil, you know, it'd be real cool is if you could turn into a coin or something so I could use you for the bill and then we could both get out of here and then you can take my soul to hell. Oh my fucking God. And so the devil was like, that sounds like a great idea. I'm going to shapeshift into a coin. Instead of just being like, I'll take you to hell right now and we don't have to pay for these drinks because I'm the devil and I don't pay for my drinks. But okay, I guess (laughs) I'll become currency real quick. So he shapeshifts into a coin. And in that moment, Jack grabs the coin and puts it in his pocket next to a silver cross and trapped, trapped the devil in coin. Uh, as a a coin in his little pocket in his little change purse i guess so uh i guess he could hear the devil going let me out let me out and (laughs) jack promised to release the devil if the devil would not come back for 10 years which like why wouldn't you make the deal like a thousand years or something 50 at least the rest of your life yeah but apparently a decade was all jack needed to see the rest of the world so both of these two are just dummies they should just become buddies they it should sounds like, like they are and they're just not admitting it i think they're flirting they are <laughs> there's something going on between them i know so jack promised to release the devil if he got 10 years uh before he had to go to hell so the devil agrees and leaves him alone for 10 years a decade later the devil comes back and jack says okay fine i'll like you got me you're like it's time for me to go i think i need to have one last meal though you should climb up the apple tree for me so i can eat an apple before i go which is like why is he gonna why is the devil gonna do the physical labor of getting you a meal like why yeah so um anyway the devil's like that sounds fair to me so i guess i'm gonna just go get go climb that with my bare hooves and (laughs) go get you an apple um and also what a terrible last meal and I know, I'd be like, I don't even want the meal. I don't want an apple. Are you kidding me? Take me back to that bar where we had Everclear. And, uh, yeah. Uh, and <laughs> Jack saw that he climbed up the tree. And while he was in the tree, Jack carved a cross into the tree, trapping oh the God. devil in the tree. Uh, which is, it's a, it's wild how I thought the devil was like so powerful. But like you carve something into a tree and he can't even leap out for himself. I mean, I feel like I'm just inviting some terrible shit, but like 
devil seems like a real moron. In this story, absolutely. And I feel like Zach Bagans right now. I'm like, you idiot, come at me. <laughs> I'm really not trying to antagonize the devil. I'm just like stunned at how easy it was to trick him. Maybe as you say things, just kind of morph your voice into Zach. Just, <laughs> Maybe just in I case. Just do, I feel like I just need to do a sign of the cross over and over just in case. <laughs> I don't know. Your Catholic school is showing. It is. It is. It happens sometimes. So uh, the devil's stuck in the tree now and Jack makes the devil promise you will never return. I will let you out of the tree, but you can never return or take me to hell. Feels like he could have just said that like from day one, but yeah, like he it took him ten years to come up with that idea for round yeah. two. Yeah. So the devil's like, fine, I won't, I won't ever take your soul to hell. Which like, okay. Mm-hmm. One uh, one day in the future, Jack dies, and now all of a sudden he has is faced with the afterlife, and he's denied mm-hmm. heaven for his behavior, like antics with the devil. Fair enough. <laughs> but then he walks to over to hell. Um, He's like, I'm desperate and heaven won't take me. Can you please take me? And the devil says that he promised to never <gasps> take him to hell. And you know the devil always keeping his promises. Always <laughs> keeping his word, that guy. And uh, But he couldn't bring him to hell. And so basically uh, Jack was stuck. He couldn't go anywhere. So he ended up in this purgatory, basically. Oh, my gosh. begged the devil for mercy. And so uh, I guess in a fit of grace i don't know the devil uh threw him one little flame one little like ember um so that way he could at least always have light in his dark and jack decided to put the little flame into a turnip lantern that he's apparently carrying around in purgatory (laughs) i don't understand who wrote this (laughs) i Feel Who like, the fuck wrote this story? I feel like the drunk devil on Everclear is trying to recap it. <laughs> um, so he had he found a lantern. It happened of all the vegetables to be made of a turnip. And he was like, oh, I'll use that flame and at least have a lantern with me in eternity. And this is how he became Jack of the Lantern, thus Jack-O-Lantern. Aha. Okay. I feel like somebody's dad, somebody was like, a little kid was like, Papa, tell me a bedtime story. And I was like, well, one time, yeah, there I feel was like, this guy. I feel like it almost started out coherent. And as the as he told the story, he got sleepier. And it just it evolved into like chaos. Yeah. He was like, he was like, turn up. It was a turn up. It was a turn up lantern. Yeah. Um, so just to add to the turn up side to things, eventually when Irish immigrants came to the U.S. where pumpkins were more native to the Americas and better for carving and just more accessible, um, the Irish who would use turnips most often as as lanterns ended up changing it to pumpkins. And I think uh, some versions of the Stingy Jack story have also turned over time where the lantern he had was also a pumpkin. So. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, that's how we have a pumpkin instead that's so of something else. Well, I have a fun fact for you about um, jack-o'-lanterns that I saw on Instagram the other day. And I what? think it was an, um, some meme account for millennials, like Talk 30 to Me or one of those. But basically they said um, there's a hack where you can carve the pumpkin from the bottom and yeah. yep. you pull all the insides out through the bottom because they're attached to the bottom. And... Then you can just put a candle or whatever, a light directly on the bottom and put it in there without having to drop it from the top. And it keeps it from, you can carry it by the stem and it keeps it from uh, rotting so quickly. 
it was um i think the world was changed we i think we all got like a version of that video and it at least i did and it also blew my stupid mind i was I like i was like how have i how's nobody ever told me this i was like this is something that like was a hack that almost died with our grandparents or something like Damn. how did we how who how it's one of those things like i feel like i always find out hacks or i'm like how am i how did i go through life for this long and not know something i can't that believe simple? it and and i was wrong about the account i don't know what account it was but i'm sure it was uh making the rounds on different but i mean pretty genius i would say it truly i it's just like how did i live 30 years and not a single person felt the urge to tell me it's about honestly this. embarrassing yeah for all of us for all of yeah. us now our kids are all gonna like just grow up knowing this hack because we all saw it on tiktok 30 yeah. years ago you know <laughs> it's frustrating <laughs> so um thank you for the the psa in case anyone's not on tiktok by the way i met someone who's our age and not on tiktok and i was flabbergasted i was like there, i think there are a lot um probably but like i don't surround myself with people like that at <laughs> all <laughs> oh okay i mean i'm rarely on tiktok i told you i found this on instagram so yeah well too I'll, late. Judge you you. Signed a I'll judge you separately we own a business together you can't leave me i know but i'm here to keep you young with the tiktok trends but uh, i just told you the trend you told me don't, the Instagram real trend, to be don't fair. Don't act like you told me this information. You didn't even come prepared with this tip. I came prepared with this tip. Well, I uh, I met someone who was, I was like, oh, you know the TikTok trend? And she was like, no. And I went, what? <laughs> I oh, like, my God, M. I don't know what happened. My brain was like, wait I a minute. I can guarantee you like a large proportion of our listeners are not on TikTok. I can guarantee you a large proportion of our listeners are on TikTok. Well, yeah, but like... Let's have I them duke like it so... out in a poll. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, and, okay, back to the pumpkin. So the pumpkin uh, story also became associated, not just through the Stingy Jack story, um, but also because it got mentioned in Sleepy Hollow, which is like one of the first popular horror stories in, our, in the country. So mm -hmm. the two things together had the pumpkin... Right, because the thing, the, the head, the pumpkin head. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, which, by the way, was episode 188, if you want to go listen to The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. What's his this. name? Disembodied head guy? It could, oh, the Headless Horseman? Headless Horseman, thank you. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, so the, those two things combined are how pumpkins became the staple of Halloween for us. Um, actually, uh, there's one historian named Cindy Ott who says that the first known image of a pumpkin being like a jack-o'-lantern is 1867 and it was in oh. Harper's Weekly. So, oh, that's a long time ago. So fun fact, if you were going to time travel to the 1870s, you would still find pumpkins for Halloween decor. All Thank the way back God. Then. I know. <laughs> uh, actually it'd be more like the 1880s because that's when a lot of references start showing up of jack-o'-lanterns in like... I guess in like uh, like marketing campaigns or posters or, or written yeah. in books, but 1880s. Can I say something yeah. kind of stupid, but that my what? brain, you know, I can't, I'm so self-centered, I guess. Every time we say like the 1880s, I think about like how my house was built in the 1880s and it just <laughs> makes me wonder like, 
what if there were what if they decorated pumpkins here in the 1880s with the very house? first jack-o'-lanterns yeah and now i'm doing it like so many years later i don't that know that would be very cool if the ghosts can still see what you're up to and they're like oh people still do this you know and they're like why are you cutting it from the bottom what yeah. the hell is wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a great point they probably there's probably so many life hacks in general that have just been lost to time and they just <laughs> roll their eyes every time <laughs> They're like, it's amazing that they came up with this kind of technology, but don't know how to carve a fucking pumpkin. But don't you know? know how to, like, she's drinking a pumpkin beverage, coffee beverage out of a plastic container, but she can't cut a fucking pumpkin open. I guess so once sad. you have, you've got other people to, to make pumpkin spice lattes, why would you ever? Me. Yep. Yep, yeah. yep. Yep. No, that is very fascinating. I, I don't think about it in terms of my apartment. But I think about that same thing in terms of like, um, I'm like, I have a lot of nostalgic like tchotchkes from like my family. And so if it's been passed down to me, I'm like, wow, this also existed at a time where like this was on the news and yes, things like I that. always think that too. I'm like, where did they put it yeah. in their house and stuff? I love yeah. that. Or I'm like, what what was the style back then? What were they wearing when they were carrying this around? Things like that. Probably not the like giant onesie pajamas and fish flops you were wearing. <laughs> They're so <laughs> embarrassed maybe. of like swoverall culture, you know? Yeah, swoverall's <laughs> in like a tie-dye bathrobe. <laughs> what right, the yeah. fuck? <laughs> uh, so the 1880s is the where we start seeing a lot of references for jack-o'-lanterns being used in Halloween decor. So all the way through your home's history, jack-o'-lanterns have existed here. Uh and if there were ever any Irish immigrants that uh, lived in your home, it could have been turnips for all we know. <gasps> How fun. Maybe maybe throw a little turnip their way this year and see what Aww. happens. You know? um, also keeping in spooky line, uh, let's talk about some of the Halloween games that <sighs> people used to play in Ireland. Uh, and it, a lot of them had to do with like predicting the future. So I think we should Ooh, bring a lot of these back. I um, love it. And they were like games kind of like bobbing for apples, but uh, there was one I, for turnips. Well, this one is it's all food based, isn't it? So like this one's actually <laughs> beans or nuts. Um, and you would put two <laughs> you would put two of them beside a fire and one would represent uh, gross a boy and the other would represent a girl. But, you know, let's if we were to change things up, it would just be a person and another person. Uh-huh. And if the beans or the nuts if they stayed next to each other all night by the fire they would one day get married but if one of them like ever rolled over at some point during the night it meant that they wouldn't be together <laughs> what an interesting uh fortune telling experiment 10 year old me would have eaten that shit up though and i would have stared at a bean by the no, fire you would have all literally day. eaten it up uh, maybe if it was cooked after being by that fire a little all night. toasted peanut yeah honestly though like can you imagine like what a smart way to just get your kids to sit fucking still like just stare at this one nut for <laughs> hours and make sure it doesn't roll away watch this pinto bean yeah it tells the future <laughs> there's another tradition where people would hide items in cakes kind of like king cakes today yeah. um but instead of it being a little baby it's a uh it's horseshoes or rings a big ass horseshoe that doesn't sound right to me but apparently they were Maybe they had like little toy versions of horseshoes, toy horseshoes instead of like a big metal horseshoe the size that of half a cake. Just crack your tooth right open. Let's pretend there's like a little horseshoe yeah. thing. Like um, a or, My Little Pony size. Yes, exactly. Um, they also had rings uh, that you could hide in cakes. And if you 
found the ring in the cake, it meant you were getting married soon. So it's very like throwing the bouquet. Um, or the horseshoe meant good luck. Um, okay. Which I, I like the concept, but I've never understood how so many people got behind the let's hide tiny choking hazards in our food game. I don't either. It makes me so like, I just want to 110% enjoy my eating experience. And if there's even 1% of me that's afraid of breaking my tooth or like choking to death. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm not going to enjoy this cake very much. Yeah. I'm, if there's like the one thing that keeps me from anxiety is food. Like, I don't want to <laughs> Exactly, also... it's my one safe space, okay? <laughs> so stop fucking with it. Well, it gets even more fucked up, I guess, if you were a part of, like, the darker friend groups. People would also hide a stick in the cake, and it meant um, it represented a coffin. Oh! Uh, and then there was a pea that would represent poverty. So, Jesus. But apparently... Way it was bring down the fucking mood. You're like, oh, cool, I got the stick. What does it mean again? And they're like, I mean, you're gonna die soon, Sharon. I like, I like to think it was, like, kind of their version of mash, but also adding cake to the mix, where it was like... Like, no, like, it's like, ooh, someone got the shack. Someone... Oh, though their job is gonna be... You're gonna know. have 16,000 children. Ha-ha. Exactly. Yeah, like, it was probably something like that, and it was just like, oh, someone got the coffin. Uh-oh. That's a dark game. I guess, but I feel like they were going through some dark stuff, so maybe it was like... I their... guess uh, they needed an outlet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another game actually was the origin to bobbing for apples, which is hanging an apple from a string... And kids with their hands behind their back would try to bite the swinging apple, which I got to tell you sounds near fucking impossible. Yeah, but also sounds like safer and less terrifying than sticking your head in a bucket of water. That's true. You're not you're not, you know, drowning. At least, Yeah, at least there's oxygen to be had. But imagine being a parent of the time, because apparently the in Scotland, it wasn't always an apple. Sometimes they would use a scone covered in treacle syrup, which like. It sounds delicious, but I can't imagine anything worse than throwing a party full of children and then having them rub basically maple syrup all over their faces. <laughs> and then it's just sticky children all over my house. I can't imagine a worse time. You know they're going to be sticky no matter what you do. So they're, It's literally a swinging honey bun and you're having children throw their faces <laughs> okay. into it. All right. That's fair. Oy, oy, oy. So uh, anyway, that was the origin to it. But there's also that there became a bobbing for apples version, which was one of the like telling the future mm, games. I remember this one it's like it's like oh if you think about your crush or something mm-hmm. yeah or like you um i you name one of the apples after your crush or like you write the crush's name on an apple oh. and then you have to go bobbing for that specific one um and if you're right. able to get it then that means you'll be together which like is so pre-pandemic culture like uh, totally I, I can't imagine throwing my entire neck up into water and just go into town and then having someone else throw their face in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So gross. Um, so anyway, that I'm glad that buying for apples has kind of turned from like, don't get the specific apple, just get an apple and just call it a day. And by the way, if you don't know the trick to bobbing for apples, you really have to commit and just throw your whole face in and press the apple against the bottom of the barrel that's the way you win because you uh, need I'm, to i'm not i'm just gonna go watch the pinto bean by the fire i don't okay. think i care enough to put my face in a whole bucket of water like uh, yeah i don't know why it seems I'm... like a recipe for disaster as i said this is no longer a a friendly uh health 
game healthy yeah. game i'm like oh but this is how you win in case you're still gonna do it while everyone's doing that i'm gonna go find the honey bun that someone tied to a piece of string <laughs> and i'm gonna eat it and then pretend like i don't know where it went yeah, right <laughs> so, okay so now uh classic 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 trick-or-treating this has quite a backstory do you know about trick-or-treating's backstory wasn't it that where did i learn this was it from you i don't know wasn't it that you were supposed to go to your neighbor's homes. Shit. Okay. I You're don't know onto if it. I'm... You're onto it. I feel like either you taught me or I saw it on TV somewhere. I don't know. If I taught you, my brain has let it escape <laughs> me and I relearned it just for you. Um, okay. So trick-or-treating, one of the uh, main traditions of the time back then was called souling. Soul. Souling. Um, and it was basically when... Didn't you uh, need to sing a song or something? Mm-hmm. And so, you, were, you were dressed up and they had to guess who you were? Uh, kind of. Okay, sorry. So No, you're good. So um, it was when basically if you were a family or if you were on your own and you just didn't have a lot of money um, at the time, uh, there was something called souling where people would go door to door on All Saints Eve and they would try to do something for the people of the home in exchange for like a, a meal or a snack or some like spare like change. caroling sort of. Yeah. So uh, they would sing or they would dance or they would maybe, uh, I think it originally started with like, they would pray for your, the people who you've lost. Do a stand up comedy show. But yes. Roast your <laughs> past uh, family <laughs> members. Somebody's doing like a prayer session and I'm just like trying to do a roast. It's that's not, yeah, it's not going to work. But I think it, I think it originally started, especially cause like all saints Eve and it happened to be like the, you know, when the veil was at its thinnest, I mm -hmm. think they would say like, can I say a prayer for those that have passed that you loved in exchange mm. for something on my end? Um, and at the time in Ireland, uh, their Halloween was also called, I think it's called Almay's Night, Almay's Night, um, because it was a night where people people would gather alms. Oh, okay. Uh, or Omelet's Night. I, I, Omelet? Some, some versions of the writing were A L M like om AIS and others were A M L A I S. So I don't know if it's omle or Alme night. I don't know. I don't know. But, um, at the time, uh, it was, it was kind of a, another version of souling where people would gather alms. And during this, uh, a bunch of children and over time, I think it became more than just children. They would dress up in masks and costumes to hide their identity. So they were just a random person and they would go door to door and they would either sing or dance or perform in some way to get something from each house. And so that could be, food it could be money it could be just like a little snack um and in a 1930s report actually it said that alm collectors uh one of the ways that they would perform is they broke the end off of glass bottles and used them as whistles oh oh okay it's like that's innovative creative yeah um and then for the masks that they wore sometimes the kids would just paint their faces or wear weird clothing but it was to always look as odd as possible basically <laughs> they would even like just dress themselves in bags like just whatever they could find cuz i mean there were no spirit halloweens back then so they what? were like i know so don't go back in time folks no thank you that's the one reason you should never time travel. No, it's too far. That's the final straw. <laughs> so they would dress up in like potato sacks and be like, oh, this is so spooky. Um, <laughs> 
And the masks would uh, were also said to be a way to hide from the ghosts and evil spirits. Um, so you could almost blend oh. in. Uh, you could or blend in with the other spirits so they wouldn't come get you. Ooh. And in Scotland, this became a tradition called guising, uh, which was short for disguise. Love and it. kids would go to houses and perform for treats. But uh, geysers would dress up in scarier outfits. And theirs was more with the intention of to protect them from the spirits. In Ireland, it was, I think, kind of just like a bonus of like, oh, also we happen to be, mm. you know. But in yeah. Scotland, I think the intention was, oh, we're hiding from the spirits. Okay. Um, there's an etymologist named Barry Popick who said that the terms Almay's Night souling and guising are all seen most in the 20th century and this is also where the phrase trick-or-treating comes out because or at least in 1923 there was one canadian newspaper that said halloween passed off very quietly here trick treats not tricks were the order of the evening so that's kind of oh. a, a little nod to it showing up treats not tricks yeah and then in 1928 uh, a paper in michigan uh, the headline was trick or treats and then uh, wrote this little passage that seemed silly. The peaceful citizens lived in terror of the time each evening when they should be summoned to their front doors to hear the fateful or the fatal ultimatum tricks or treats uttered in a merciless tone by some small child who clutched in one grubby fist a small chunk of soap capable of eliminating the transparency from any number of windows. <gasps> Whoa. So I guess in 1928, it was normal for kids to come up and instead of saying trick or treat and not do anything, they would really say trick or treats like you better give me a treat or they else have a grubby handful of dial soap yeah and i'm gonna use it on all your windows and ruin the the structural <laughs> transparency of your window <laughs> so it really means like if i don't get a treat i will do a trick yes that's so fun um so I guess it was like a way to hold people accountable, like give uh, maybe like originally, like I'm doing this to gather alms. So you better do it or else you're a bad person and deserve a trick. I don't totally know. Where I think it seems like the spirituality had been already removed by the point okay. that they were covering their <laughs> windows with soap. But I don't know. Well, so by uh, there's actually one paper uh, in 1942 that called it a mild kind of blackmail of like. Uh, that's yeah. That's kind of where my brain went. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so fun fact, uh, the phrase trick or treat is at least like a hundred years old. So cool. Uh, and then it was like officially solidified in a 1950s peanuts comic when Charlie Brown said trick or treat or the character said it. So, um, but as for the tricks, um, I know I'm, I'm going over my usual time, but for tricks, uh, let's talk about it. TPing, toilet papering. Have you ever mm -hmm. TPed somebody? Um, no. Okay. I'm sure you have. Yes. So, no <laughs> um, but instead of toilet paper originally, do you know what people used? Hmm. Shaving cream? I have no idea. No, it's much dumber. It's definitely, let's like, like, a, like teenagers came up with it. 
Um, it was cabbage. So in the <laughs> <laughs> in 19th century Ireland on Halloween, uh, kids and thus teenagers would steal cabbage out of someone's cabbage patch. They would go to a house of someone they didn't like, and uh, or like they even said in one newspaper, someone was quoted saying, "We would find someone that was bad tempered, which is like the one person you shouldn't be doing this uh, to." Yeah. They would knock on the door shouting Halloween night. And when the person would open the door, they would literally just throw the entire fucking cabbage at them. At the person? <laughs> Technically into their house, but you know someone got clocked with a oh, cabbage. Oh, sure, for sure, for sure. Um, sometimes it didn't have to be like waiting for them to open their door. If you saw like an open window, you were okay. you would like now basketball shoot it in. I'm sorry. I find that to be absolutely hysterical. Like I am that teenager for sure. I'm like, how funny though, to put a cabbage through someone's window. My my favorite thing is like I feel like um it just lets you know that we were not original with are thinking that using the word random all the time was like a new thing. <laughs> yeah. Like it's so random. Clearly, no, totally right. Clearly, every generation at some point has appreciated the complete randomness of something like, like throwing a cabbage into like the your pure window. absurdity. Like I know what I'll do. I'll ding dong ditch, but instead of run away, I'll just hurl a cabbage at the person. Like I a mean, five pound cabbage at them and maybe hit them. Hilarious is that. <laughs> Uh, it's hilarious until I imagine now as an adult, like the windows open because it's such a nice night out, and I like, I there I'm doing something expensive with a lot of fragile items, and then the cabbage just comes hurling in and shatters no, you're, everything. You're totally right. It would be pissed off, and it would probably break someone's window, and it would probably knock my wine glass over and wake up my baby. So, what if like, you had a perfectly cl- like a very clean Windexed window, and someone thought you had an open it. window? shatters the window or i only what if had were... the clean window because someone already soaped up the whole fucking window with a little bar of dial soap and i was like finally i got this thing clean and then a cabbage comes sailing through what if you were eating dinner at an open window and then the food comes like lands right in your food oh imagine if you were eating cabbage i was gonna say well, a that, soup though the a irony could... although all those little borscht fingerprints just a small borscht <laughs> I don't know. um yeah i i can't imagine wanting to touch a cabbage after teenagers have touched it and it's like fresh from a field i'd and be like run oh. around with it in their little f- grubby fingers yeah. like everything's so horrible maybe they use it as a bong since we know I apples like- are <laughs> i like how nowadays I- i'm like wow what a hilarious idea but like in reality you and i both know that we're like the old grumpy ones who are like don't get away from my windows i would just tell all my friends like i got cabbaged i got cabbaged (laughs) sos So apparently uh, this practice of getting cabbaged uh, (laughs) came to the U.S. with these Irish immigrants and it got so bad eventually, like became so popular in Massachusetts specifically that Halloween became cabbage night, which is why now I know why, because whenever I've taken those like dialect quizzes, it's like, what do you call the night before Halloween? And cabbage night is one of the options. Oh my God, you're totally right. And I was like, who the fuck calls it cabbage night? I think you and I even commented on that when we did it for Patreon, that dialect quiz. Yeah. Meanwhile, like there's a bunch of grandparents in Massachusetts who are like, you have no idea the the horrors I see on cabbage night. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so that's where cabbage night comes from. Wow. Uh, And which like I... I'm sad that that's a part of like someone's like really crucial history and it was like so bad that like it started getting its own nicknames and I've just never heard of it. I'm like never heard of it. And honestly, like, if you wild. had said guess why it's called that, I would have come up with probably 10 different reasons that were not oh, it's p- teenagers threw it through your windows. Like yeah. I, I would never have guessed that. Well, in the 1960s, 
toilet paper became a much cheaper alternative and thus TPing began. Yeah. You don't need to go to a field to get that. No, you can just go to your local. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So uh, the last thing I'm going to talk about is just how bad a lot of this mischief got. And Uh the 1900s Halloween tomfoolery was rough. It was getting really out of hand. I mean, like I can't really blame anyone i I can i could see myself as a teenager like oh there are no rules on on the night before halloween and it just very quickly became like a lord of the fly situation right you give that freedom to a bunch of teenagers and like you didn't even drink in high school i didn't either but like imagining like the kids i knew who did drink and then them getting it in their head that they can just like wreak havoc recipe for disaster for sure so the lighter situations were getting soaped, which was literally taking soap and just writing notes on people's windows, which like very okay. annoying, but yeah, An- annoying, but at least like you can clean it off. Yes. Maybe the note Reversible. is nice. Yeah. I'm sure the note is very kind. <laughs> you are so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, it's certainly not a daily affirmation while I think it's about it. It's just an affirmation on each but window. We, but you know what? In terms of acts of random kindness, we should bring back soaping and just make them affirmations in people's windows. Just but don't. Because it's such actually, a pain in the ass to clean a window. <laughs> well, I'm also thinking of how creepy it'd actually be if I woke up one day and someone had written on my window, you are so beautiful. Can you imagine? <laughs> it says smile. And then you realize it's like, from the outside in and you're like what the fuck (laughs) you should smile more oh my god you're right i love watching you yeah (laughs) no thank you um so okay so let's leave soaping in the past so um but soaping was one of the things also people would tie doorknobs shut so you'd get like stuck from the inside okay well that's dangerous yeah hate that i'm so old i'm like (laughs) what's a fire hazard (laughs) (laughs) also they would rattle people's windows which like all i can think of is it sounds like a fucking break-in but yes or like an earthquake but it was to uh sound like ghosts apparently well yeah okay okay uh then it got real bad because now buildings are being completely fucking vandalized Uh um there were churches that they would literally like cover them in molasses (laughs) no wonder that no wonder the christian you know in the traditional whatever sense started being like so anti-halloween i like always wondered where that came from and now i'm like maybe they were just like please stop making our beautiful stained glass windows so sticky they should have just gotten in the spirit and hung themselves on a string for people to try to chew like just like a big sticky sweet little church molasses oh there's also uh here's a weird one there was a prank going around where they would just straight up paint homes completely black. Like <gasps> in the middle of the night, instead of getting TP'd, someone, you would wake up the next day and your house was black. Now that <laughs> is an expensive nightmare. That's <laughs> laborious. It's a laborious and it's probably so messy and it would be such a pain in the ass to cover up. Yeah. you. I mean, you literally have to pay painters to come completely redo your home. And, and if what if it's, it's brick? Yeah. Yeah. And if it's black paint, like you're going to have to do layer upon layer upon layer to cover that up. That's that's a, that's a several month long correction. That's so rough. expensive. See, I'm old now. I don't find any of this funny. I'm just like mad on their well, behalf. I wonder if there's a house out there that like uh, is like not it doesn't look like exposed brick because it's been painted. And I'm like, oh, what an interesting color choice. And someone has to be like, I got 
painted by Halloween kids all those years ago. And that's with why with their I- turn up lanterns. But I have to imagine that when they painted them in the dark, it was like a big sloppy mess. Like, I don't imagine that they like painted it very that's carefully true. in between the lines and stuff. That's true. It was just like they would just like maybe throw just a can like of paint at your house. Of paint. Yeah. <laughs> that makes so much more sense. For me, I was thinking it was like a full blown contracting company. At- <laughs> whatever honestly would be way too much work for for your outcome totally right okay they were just throwing buckets of paint i don't know what that's how i know i'm old because i'm thinking of things in like full like full strategy plans of like (laughs) you're like how many ladders and how did they paint safety harnesses would you need (laughs) how did they tape all the edges so well before they started painting there was also arson and then oh uh, jesus people were setting off pipe bombs and oh then, my god! Well, and then I'm thinking they're tying the bu- the fucking doorknobs shut and then starting a fire like this. I mm. told you it's a fire hazard. Also, like, uh, is, is molasses flammable? Like, imagine if you <laughs> I don't know. Like, what if you poured that all over a church and now you're just gonna like set, set a pipe what bomb if, nearby? Like one group poured molasses or something all over it, and then the yeah. next group didn't know you did that and tried Paint's to start. fucking flammable. Paint yes, is flammable. It is. That's such a good point that like another little group could come by later and combo. Oh yeah, and then and then lock their doors. Oh god. <gasps> yeah. What if um, we tied the doorknobs closed, thinking it was funny, and then someone else set a fire or something? I, mean, I wonder Jesus. if there was one house in town that everyone attacked more than everyone else. There probably had to be the bad-natured or the ill-tempered one. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was also throwing flour at people, which is like actually like much worse than it seems because like it's getting in your eyes. If yeah, there's any you choke on that, if there's any liquid nearby, it's turning into like a sludge. And so there was actually um, one Halloween incident where 200 boys were floured all at the same time, which like, oh, can, my God, how much how flour? Much flour? <laughs> Oi, <laughs> think like. Whose dad's credit card paid for that much flour and then had to find out later that their kid was responsible? Probably the dad who owned the bakery and was like, where did all my fucking (laughs) flour delivery go? (laughs) Now that's a small town crisis right there. Yes, the baker is is run out of flour the next morning. Oh, so the mischief got so bad that people were like, we need to create fucking mischief laws about Halloween. Like this is getting out of control. And, uh, like, I mean, in some areas, kids were getting fucking shot at by, like, property owners because, oh, like... sure. Defending their houses. Yikes. Yeah. Um, and do you want to take a guess at... Uh, well, let me say this line first, then have you guess why. Uh, Halloween pranks started officially being criminalized because of this. And uh, do you want to know how they were able to make it official that mischief was going to be criminalized. Do you know what event happened that caused this? The Boston Tea Party and all their <laughs> mischief. <laughs> I have no idea. It was World War II. Oh. Uh, because now this mischief wasn't just mischief, but it was considered treason and sabotage because they were using up resources that oh. needed during the war effort. Those those soldiers need flour. They need flour. They need soap. They, they need, need molasses. Soap. They need <laughs> molasses. Those are the top three. <laughs> That's what I always heard. <laughs> uh, and so it became like an actual crisis. Plus, well, a lot of it... those kids ended up going to war. Yes, I was about to say something similar, which is like also, uh, you know, the men of the house are off or would be gone. And so I imagine like there's like single moms at home and now you're like dumping paint on their house. I mean... 
you know, that's just like extra bad. There's only one parent home probably raising kids. And I feel like, yeah, you just live with a paint bucket shape of black paint on your house because like you're already trying to make everything else work the last thing you have time for is cleaning up your house yeah uh so after the war halloween pranks and traditions drastically died down probably because all of those kids became adults and they went we are not teaching our children they probably like you said all went to war and then we're like well now we're traumatized and don't want to pour flour on people anymore exactly uh and then in the 1950s um u.s trick-or-treating boomed again but not with the mischief because again they probably weren't gonna they all probably made a deal on the battlefield that if we get home we are not teaching our children <laughs> i promise about I'll the never halloween do it mischief. Again. <laughs> <laughs> um and so adults rebranded halloween because now they're having baby boomers they're having all these kids i see and uh with that many kids can you imagine what the halloween mischief would have looked like oh yeah so you're totally right they were like we need to stop this with our generation but like but i don't enjoy that they got to do it to people but people didn't do it to them i d- i feel like they should have like something as small as like getting flowered i feel like you just you're asking to be flowered as an it's, adult that's true but it's like hazing or so you know that's true it's like ah, i did this you blah blah but you that's know. true i think in terms of a bag of flour being thrown on you i think i'm uh i think i'm i'm gonna s- stick with my ways for that one yeah. i feel like uh, vandalism no i don't i don't hope I that know, for anyone see how quickly it devolves i know I just, you're right you're right you're right yeah you're right. i don't know i don't know if i trust anyone with a bag of flour not anymore not, not after anymore. learning about this uh so after the war they came back they started having kids and they rebranded halloween as like just stay in your neighborhood like don't run around town don't set places on fire don't <laughs> oh man it's like just stay nearby we'll have like local halloween events you can go trick-or-treating in your area mm-hmm. um and it was just kind of their intention of like if we keep kids nearby and we have them go trick-or-treating and we give them candy next to their house they won't run off and get, cause mischief okay. um so that was kind of where trick-or-treating came from it was almost like I mean, it was a literal rebranding from people in the 40s who were like, we're not going to let this repeat itself because we don't want to deal with it. Um, And so, yeah, that's where it came from. So uh, there are still some pretty strict Halloween laws in some areas. I can attest to uh, in Chesapeake, Virginia, it's illegal to trick or treat if you're older than 14. Oh, Um, really? It's a class four misdemeanor. Oh, my God. I used to trick or treat older than 14. Uh, me too but there was uh, virginia's crazy especially in that area like in virginia beach it's literally illegal to swear so hmm? yeah they all the signs everywhere in public it literally has like uh, like symbols that symbols. imply swearing but with a big red circle and a line through oh, it come on so in virginia beach as a kid it was like you were so bad if you stood next to one of those signs and said shit like (laughs) it was like oh i broke the law nowadays Um, you can make like fun tiktoks like i know tiktokers of virginia beach are you there Mm. uh go for it we've given you permission apparently uh Mm -hmm. so uh, Tell another, them we sent you. <laughs> there are other uh, laws that say like you can't trick or treat based on however old you are. Some places it's you can't do it after 12 years old. Um, some places say that if you have an adult or sibling chaperoning you, they can't also be dressed up because they're like participating in it. Oh my um, gosh. 
and then like just so we're clear there are critics to all these laws saying that it is not taking into consideration um disabled children exactly uh, uh children who uh like didn't get to grow up with trick-or-treating and now want to but they like have now been robbed of that also the big one is children of color who are always told that they look older than they are mm-hmm. so all you of a sudden if you're gonna outlaw it you're completely right and the other thing is which i always wonder is like wouldn't you rather have kids walking around and like doing and trick-or-treating with the other kids and like giving them the night off to Go mm-hmm. find some other shenanigans. You know what I mean? Like, it's exactly. harmless fun, you know? I mean, it's not like they're caught... Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> it, mad. It's harmless fun, I guess, until they find one cabbage, and then all of a sudden one history... One cabbage, and all History of sudden, repeats itself. Uh, but it does give us, um, you know, the same traditions uh, that we do now, or things that kids did back in the day, like even corn mazes and hay rides and things like that, um, which are still nods to... Well, that was because farmers were harvesting their corn and finishing up their fields and everything. But it goes all the way back to the beginnings of it being like a sacred harvest celebration. So, so some of, cool. Some of the traditions are still there because of uh, the ancient roots and some of them are because of getting cabbaged. So <laughs> um, and that's Halloween traditions. I loved that. And I mean, as we record this, we're still a week away from Halloween. So for us, it feels very timely but i hope yes i feel like we're finally fulfilling our promise that it's always spooky season for us and we always <laughs> say that but like now we're really committing to it i feel we're like still it. continuing halloween celebrations for halloween we'll have to start uh pulling little pranks on each other but maybe maybe not as scary as the other ones that i've yeah been maybe not like causing property damage because i don't got I, I don't have the money for that. I will Instacart mean? a cabbage to you, though, for Halloween. Okay, Just... and then I'll make a nice borscht. And okay. we'll all be happy. See? Okay, that's the adult way to do the prank. Is like, it's going <laughs> to be so random. You buy your spite of their groceries. <laughs> <laughs> but so you didn't nice. see it coming. That's what makes it so funny. That's hilarious. Yeah. I love a, a good harm, a, like a truly harmless prank. Um, Just a little uh, a cabbage doing like the Chef Boyardee roll from the grocery oh, store to your house. Yeah. From Burbank. Yeah, it's going to be <laughs> real gnarly by the time it gets here <laughs> just rip off the first couple layers you'll be fine <laughs> explore new possibilities pleasure zones and find your vibe at funlove.com funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products offering a wide array of premier brands of toys lingerie and accessories I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Fun Love. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first. And then when I pulled out a vibrator, I thought, oh boy, this is not your everyday fruit basket. There was everything I'm telling you from sexy perfumes to toys to vibrators to lube. I mean, I gotta say, it's like a one-stop shop, okay? If you go to funlove.com and you're looking for maybe a romantic evening, either with a loved one or with yourself, they've got what you're looking for, I can promise you. So what are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 30% off your first order when you use the code DRINK at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code DRINK at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today. 
You know when you've got the holidays, the new year, and then all of a sudden it's sort of back to the grind? Especially if you run a small business, it can be really hard to get back into the swing of things, but Stamps.com is here to make that a little bit easier for you. Stamps.com streamlines all your mailing and shipping to turbocharge your operational efficiencies. For 25 years now, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses, whether they're mailing out checks, invoices, legal documents, books, podcast branded koozies, maybe that's just us, or anything else. Get access to the USPS and UPS mailing services you need to run your business right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. And with rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to, get this, 89% off USPS and UPS, how could you go wrong? We have loved Stamps.com for years, not quite 25, but since we started the podcast, which was 2017, and we could not get by without it. I remember there were days where we didn't have Stamps.com, those I call the dark ages, and I was hand shipping everything and driving it on my lunch break to the post office. It was all very hectic. Stamps.com, I do it straight from my house, and it makes my life a trillion times easier. Keep your mailing and shipping moving at the speed of your business with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code DRINK for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts just go to stamps.com click the microphone at the top of the page and enter code drink okay well emothy yeah i have a good one for you today i think you're gonna like this story is it something i is there an answer at the end there's an answer at the end okay 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 i know i know i feel like i put you through a lot of um uh, what's the word? Confusion. Strife. Strife. I put you through a lot of strife. Dismay. I do Dismay. Mm-hmm. Um, we could probably thesaurus that and find all sorts of words that I put you through. Mm-hmm. This is the story of Susan Kuhnhausen. Now, Susan was born in 1955. She was very outgoing, very extroverted, and spent a lot of time with friends. She she was a very um, type A, like just loved being out and about, uh, had a big friend group loved dinner going to dinner movies traveling um and she worked as a registered nurse in portland oregon um and she was known to go to for example the local comedy club and she always sat in the front row and had such a recognizable laugh that like people would love when she would come to the comedy shows and just sit right up front and like just a very big like personality you know what i mean she sounds just like jovial jovial like so fun and so many friends Um, The sort of person everyone wanted to be around, but had never gotten married. Mm. Now you think, so what? Okay. But, you know, back then, I mean, still now there's that pressure of like getting into a relationship, that kind of thing. Um, Even when people aren't necessarily interested. And her mom and friends decided, you know what? She's been single for so long. She doesn't put herself out there. She could uh, be in such a happy relationship. And I mean, you know, from a third party perspective, seemed like she was having a great time without a partner, but whatever. Okay. Her parents and friends were like, we want to get her hitched. We want to get her into a happy relationship. She's been single for far too long. Problematic, but I'm okay with it for the story, I guess. Problematic, problematic. Uh, you're going to have to be okay with it. Cause yeah, that's why, that's why I'm okay with it. <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> things don't change, so let's yeah. just roll it's, and roll. It is what it is. That's what happened. Um, so Susan, for what it's worth, felt like she had never seen examples of happy, successful marriages growing up. Mm. So as an adult, she was like, I don't know about this. Like, you know, in my family, in my friend group, like, I just, I, it's not something i've seen and said i want that for myself she said it just didn't seem like 
it's not the vibe not the vibe it's not the vibe for me today said susan (laughs) she she uh she said at one point my parents loved me but they couldn't teach me how to have a successful marriage any more than they could teach me how to fly oh damn okay (laughs) btw susan had a fucking way with words which Uh, i just love a way with words and also like very clear boundaries everyone was invading (laughs) that's you know what i think that's probably why it rubs me so ardently the wrong way is like she was very happy and clear with like what she wanted and then her friends and family were like nah you're too good for like you you're too good for yourself you're too good for yourself you need to share that with someone else yeah Yeah, it like really irks me yeah she's very much setting her own intentions and everyone's going um i have better intentions for you don't worry she's like (laughs) i have better intentions it's like she made herself a fucking uh uh, what do you call those? A vision board, and then her mm-hmm. family was like, "I love this for you." Ripped it right, right the fuck up. And <laughs> right. Like, I love mind. this little school project you did. How that fun. We never have to think about again. <laughs> this diorama of you sitting alone with your friends at the comedy club with no holding nobody's hand. Yeah, it's not gonna work for me. Exactly. So her mom and her friends were like, "We want you to experience romance." This was obviously pre Tinder, so they couldn't just make her a Tinder profile. So instead, they decided to post an ad in the newspaper in the classifieds. So in 1988, when Susan was a spinstery 33, <laughs> so, so old, uh, 33. I mean, are you kidding me? It's just like so cringe. Oh okay. my god! No! 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 <laughs> wow so, i'm so glad you made it by the way at 31 honestly barely barely Cut, the cutoff was coming <laughs> <laughs> my honestly if my mom could put out a classified uh i think it, it, every day until i was a spinstery 33 she would demand results like apparently this person got yes so, i feel like this is very uh your mom move for I definitely, sure definitely if i weren't with allison it would be all <laughs> hell broke loose <laughs> every newspaper in fredericksburg would have i wouldn't even know i'd find out the hard way people would just start calling me and be like i saw your ad and i'm like calling your landline you can't even like put your phone on silent oh my god just what a nightmare so anyway she's a lowly 33 years old it's 1988 and her mom put an ad in the willamette week paper pretending to be susan big red flag big mm-hmm. red flag mm-hmm. uh the title here's here's what she wrote i'm gonna read the uh classified ad for you here oh god the title is someone different okay. <laughs> someone who doesn't actually want you but someone we're writing about this anyway <laughs> swf single white female oh 33 overweight but not over life don't get it twisted by the way that's the most <laughs> mom thing i could have ever heard in my life i know it's so cringe it's like mom you're so embarrassing god like the phrases they come up with oh my god okay so please say it again over uh, by the way (laughs) mom when you listen to this episode please do not put that into part of your vernacular (laughs) please do not say that it is truly a humiliating phrase so cringe okay single white female 33 overweight but not over life seeks (laughs) sm single male who wants more out of a relationship than just slender active healthcare professional enjoys exploring NW NW exploring NW I'm assuming the Northwest that Northwest. Yeah. Cause they're in Portland. Okay. Oh, okay. 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 Interested in conversation, 
Good times with someone who is intelligent, thoughtful, and full of humor. Must be emotionally, fiscally mature. If you are seeking a bright, funny lady who is adventurous enough to advertise, then please reply. <laughs> okay. I feel like I feel like whoever put that ad together thought I did a really good job coming across as like flirty and thriving. Like yes, I'm, oh for like, sure. I've got pizzazz. This like one it sounds like she goes to the comedy club and sits front row. So I guess her mom did like capture her essence in a way. You know? Sure, sure. For what it's worth. For what it's F W I W. So pretty soon after that, <laughs> a reply came in. Lo and behold. And it said, my name is Mike. I am a 39-year-old DWM. Do you know what that is? DWM. I'm a 33-year-old DWM. 39-year-old. It doesn't really matter. 39-year-old DWM. Something <laughs> something man. Is it man? Yes. DW. I don't know. What? Divorced white male. Oh, okay. I was really, I was really, my head was you, in a completely different I know, direction. you were in a different planet. I was like, we're not going to get there. <laughs> I was going with like, like today's acronyms of like, like after AIM, everything is like, you're just like, like down with. <laughs> yes. That's what I was thinking. Men. <laughs> Men. Well. Okay. Barking up the wrong tree. Uh, okay. I'm a 39 year old divorced white male. I enjoy most things in nature from wandering in the ape caves at Mount St. Helens to walking on the beach at sunset. Red flag, red flag. If, if you're not saying that ironically, you know, I feel like walking well, what, on the well, beach what time, at sunset. What time period was this? You're right. It's the eighties. I guess I, back then that was a new concept. Or maybe because I feel like it became a catchphrase in the 80s of like, yeah, you're right. So maybe he thought maybe at the time it was trending and therefore wasn't cringe yet. You know, I guess you're probably right. You're probably right. Because it worked. OK, That's Susan okay. called Mike and said, and for what it's worth, FWIW again, um, <laughs> Susan like knew this was happening. It wasn't like, like, what the fuck did you do, mom? It was like, oh, this letter came in and Susan was like, oh, I'm going to call this Mike guy. He seems nice. Oh, OK. I'm glad you um, let me know that because. So as much as they absolutely violated her boundaries because she didn't necessarily want to be in a relationship once they told her they were doing this and she kind of was, was down. like, OK, yeah, she was like, I'll try it. She was down. OK, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you she was said something. D.W.M. Down, down with mom's shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> down with the mischief. D-W-M. Down with the mischief. Down with C-N, Cabbage Night. Um, <laughs> so anyway, she's like, you know what? This mic sounds interesting. Uh, so she gave him a call. And it was January 30th, 1988. And she drew the first day. That, this is very cute. The first day they talked on the phone, she drew a little smiley face on her kitten themed planner on that day precious i know i was like that sounds like me and you know seven you your grade. kitten themed planner currently <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i still have a cat planner anyway <laughs> that's besides the point um but now i just draw smiley faces like um it's not like a romantic thing i just i'm like today's starbucks day smiley psl night psl for me i'm gonna treat myself <laughs> oh it's getting embarrassing okay so Mike Kuhnhausen is his name. He was a janitorial supervisor, a Vietnam veteran, and a father of two young children from his previous marriage. On the phone, Susan thought he was a very pleasant-sounding man, and she was very pleased about this. 
Susan's brother was excited and met him and said, oh, he's, he was very nice to Susan. They made a great pair. And so everyone was really happy. It seemed like mom's shenanigans worked. Mom's mischief. Double M. Nice. So after spending nearly 100 hours on the phone getting to know each other, Whoa. they finally met up in person in February. By the way, she called him the first time in, on January 30th. So between January 30th and some date in February, they talked 100 hours on the phone. <sighs> wow. That's it a lot. Sounds like they really liked each other then. They, they linked up and like hit it off immediately. Wow. Okay. So they finally met up in person in February and they were married uh, later that year, December 10th of 1988. Ooh, she was DWM, down with Mike. <laughs> down with Mike, you're right. <laughs> she totally was. So at this point, Susan had changed her mind about marriage. She was officially DWM and down with marriage. <laughs> this is probably getting so annoying to everybody. I'm sorry. And she recalled thinking, we're a couple of old hearts. We can make a life together. Aww. Isn't that the nicest thing you've ever heard? We're a couple of old hearts. I'm like all of a sudden so mad at Allison for never saying that to me. I know. And honestly, I'm like, I just love that she has a kitten planner. And then she's like, I'm an old heart. I'm like, no, you're a youthful, fun spirit who sits in the front row at a comedy club. Yeah. I'm an old heart who complains about like cabbages ruining my window fixtures. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. It's, well, we complained about like, just it being monday like we just found a way to have a problem <laughs> we're, we're just like whining about everything we're not dwm down with mondays that's for sure <laughs> i'm owm out with mondays okay mondays are out uh cabbage nights in okay yeah. tell you pass it on Get, oh I'll, I'll i'll alert the media you'll alert alert the local fredericks put a classified ad out <laughs> Okay, so so one night, Mike said something odd. Uh -oh. Ding, ding, dong, dong, he red said, flag. Yeah, I was going to say red flag immediately. Marriage changes people. This is what he says. Who do you think is going to change more, you or me? Ooh. Ugh. Susan felt, oh, well, we'll change each other a little bit, but for the better, which is such an optimistic, wonderful way to look at things. Um, and they had a great life together. She loved Mike's children as her own children. She was very happy and optimistic about the future. Um, but shortly after this weird sentence of like, who's going to change more, you or me, things started to get kind of rocky. Um, shortly into their marriage, Mike, uh, I guess, answered his own question and began to change. I was going to say, I uh, feel like if you're already asking that question, yeah. I feel like if you say it in that sinister way, you know the answer. <laughs> yeah, you have something in mind, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Mike started to change. He stopped going out with Susan and he was a more introverted person, but f he had been like really on board with her extroversion and her friends and her activities. But pretty soon he decided to start staying home instead of going out with her. He stopped hiking with her. I assume he have to assume he stopped walking on the beach on mm -hmm. at sunset with her. I wonder if he ever walked a beach, you know? You know what? That's a great question. I never got confirmation of that. <laughs> but Susan didn't mind. Um, she pretty much adjusted. She said if her husband was a homebody, she was happy to spend time with him at home and they could have their at home dinner dates, etc. Um, and then she would cook for him and make things work for his comfort at home. And then she was able to go out when she was feeling adventurous and like she wanted to be with her friends. 
And unfortunately, Mike didn't like that. Um, His mood started to turn pretty dark. He seemed pessimistic, depressed, unsatisfied, dissatisfied with life. Um, Mm. He was just really unhappy when she would go out with friends. And Susan felt that to him there was no joy in life. He started just being inside all the time. He never wanted to leave the house. Nothing ever seemed to satisfy him, no matter how hard she tried to make his life at home comfortable and happy and not pressure him. um, He just seemed extremely unhappy. So when Susan would go out with friends, he would get irritated. He would rant about the way she would spend money on dinner and travel. But uh, I know. Uh, extra ooh because not only had they never had any financial problems but susan made sub- a substantial amount more than mike did so it was like oh well the, i guarantee money. i guarantee that was a red flag for him yeah it was sort of like came out of nowhere she was like i work really hard for my money and i want and we by the way they had no financial problems well also and she said in her, well, her mom said in the ad like someone who's fiscally fiscally responsible yeah. it's like okay well so like you've your money's already like it's not like you're in debt and worried and i'm covering all the bills or something like right you're you're good to go it's my he money had his own job she had her own job and yeah. it's like yeah and yeah. also she's known to like be adventurous and want to go do things like you have to fiscally plan for that if you're gonna marry this woman who like wants to go out and do things and spend her money like don't be surprised when she goes out and spends her money yeah and and, has and- fun and has fun and on top of that too like it's not like they had any financial problems so it's not like oh you need to cut back because right. we're late on our rent or something more important it was just like a basically just a classic abusive controlling move mm-hmm. like just the ultimate red flag um so anyway she was like very kind of put off obviously by this because she made her own money spent it how she wanted always had um and so was just like kind of taken aback but unfortunately mike just kept getting more and more controlling uh susan's friends recalled that whenever they talked to susan on the phone uh mike would just sit in the background listening to the conversation and complaining (laughs) which must be the most irritating thing truly when you call your friend you're like can you please tell him to shut up like he's just (laughs) complaining about you being on the phone in the background the whole time um, and so to to kind of make up for that, Susan would just cut her conversations short with friends, which, again, this is like isolating Classic. behavior. Yeah, Classic. like cutting her off from her friends. And so as the years went by, she could not understand what was going wrong. She and Mike had lived like very comfortable lives. She loved his children. They spent a lot of time doing family things. Even Mike's parents came around often. They had the money and freedom to do what they wanted, but Mike just stayed inside and became more and more unhappy as time went on. Mm. Um, and I, I, I will mention this. I was going to mention this um, a little later on, but uh, some people suspected that Mike was suffering from PTSD after the Vietnam War, oh, um, okay. which a lot of people you know, did after fighting uh, in that war specifically during that time period. And uh, Susan's brother had actually talked to uh, the VA about Mike's behavior. And uh, Mike had told Susan he saw combat when he was in Vietnam. And so there there are definitely some elements there where people were wondering, you know, if maybe that came into play as far as like his depression and, sure, you know, his um, desire to, to not leave the house, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so just a side note. But in 2002, after 13 years of Mm. what Susan felt like was a pretty good, solid, happy marriage, um, Mike 
told her he had never been happy in his life and wasn't sure he even knew what happiness was. Wow. Uh, and so Susan saw Mike's struggle this whole time. He was a chain smoker. At this point, he was absolutely addicted to caffeine, specifically Diet Coke. Like he would just sit at home all day smoking and drinking uh, pop and he couldn't he couldn't like pull himself out of that kind of hole, you know, sure. sort of like a yeah, it sounds, there's hole. definitely something going on. Yes, for sure. For sure. And eventually it got to a point where like nothing, basically nothing Susan tried could get him out of his, his funk, his depression. And she was desperate for change. So she asked Mike to go to therapy with her and he refused. Um, he said therapy was the final straw that destroyed his last marriage. Um, but Susan basically, once again setting boundaries gave him an ultimatum and said listen we're either getting divorced or you're coming to counseling with me because like i've done everything i can right and so he agreed to go to couples therapy but after a little while there was no improvement um susan was heartbroken she said i didn't want to fail at marriage and she didn't want mike to fail at his second marriage Um, well especially like someone who already was such like of little faith in marriage to begin with it's like oh i really want to prove to myself she finally believed that she could make it work yeah Mm -hmm. exactly and had seen so many others quote unquote i don't want to say fail at marriage but you know what i mean like so many other marriages not work out and so i think she was like man like this exact thing i was hoping wouldn't happen is now happening um and she you know had fought so hard at this point by the way they're in uh, 17 years into their marriage so they had she had really fought hard to save their relationship but um she felt like she was the only one fighting for their relationship so she finally gave up she threw in the towel after 17 years of marriage she said i cared about him but i didn't want to live with him anymore i wanted to be happy again and i say you know what fair enough for you there's only so much you can do you know yep 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 So in September of 2005, she asked Mike to move out and they did sort of a trial separation pending a divorce and Mike moved in with his father. He was still welcome at Susan's home um, and they actually did like keep the family together, so to speak. So uh, she was still close with his kids and they spent time together and uh, he would come over. Basically, she wanted things to feel normal quote unquote for the kids like she wanted them to still spend time together as a family and you know wanted yeah it was really really nice and he would come over and they would grill out or what have you um and so he did have like free reign to come over but she always told him you know please only come over when i'm at home just for like you know again Mm. pretty solid pretty understandable boundary like don't come into my house when i'm not there i feel like so far the moral is um this poor woman has never had a single boundary respected respected (laughs) that's that's what i'm learning (laughs) you're 100 percent right it like all started the first domino yeah it's like oh we'll just push you into a relationship and see what happens so after she told Mike, you know, please just only come over. You're like, you're welcome to come over, but just make sure it's when I'm at home. Um, Something started to feel off. And Susan began to suspect that Mike was coming into her house while she was at work. And this is one of those things that gives me the heebie-jeebies. Like, I get immediately. Yeah. Like, Goose Kim just thinking of, like, coming home after work and being like, somebody's been in here. Like, yeah, I can't imagine. So violating. So violating. And also always wondering then, like, does that mean, like, something, someone's still here? Yeah, that's that's true, too. Then you're like, like, knock on wood or something. I'm, like, so scared that I'm going to, like, oh, like, walk into my house and have an experience. I I, I think violating is really the best word for it, because it's like, even if he's not, like, actively 
harming her in this moment like it's just a very she's it's it's the mental torture the yes, fear it's, it's violating a boundary it's also like illegal it's also mm-hmm. uh it, anyway it's just all bad so she started to suspect he was in her house while she was at work so she was like hey i just want to be very clear here i don't want you here when i'm not home and one day she got home and replaced a damaged deadbolt on her front door And when she did that, Mike made a big deal about her changing the locks. And she was like, well, why do you care if I change the locks if you're only coming over when I'm home to let you in? Right. So she was like, this is like, this is getting, you know, a little bit. Something funky is going on. Someone's already complaining that I say red flag too much, but like, I don't know how else to put it. It's just like something, (laughs) something funky is going on. How about I say that instead? The the gig is up. (laughs) The gig is up. Okay, everybody step aside. They've got a beef with each other. Okay. (laughs) So Susan was starting to get like a little nervous about this, but she suspected Mike was just sneaking in to maybe like check her. Uh, I say just, just sneaking right. in to check on her finances and, and see Ew. like what she was up to now that they were separated. And maybe he just couldn't handle like not knowing about what she was up to. I guess um, it, she, I, I do think if you're involved with a control freak like that for so long yeah. you you forget yourself what a normal boundary is no like if, you're totally right if she's thinking like oh well he probably was just freaking out that he doesn't know anything about the finances like anyone else would be like that's not okay yeah but maybe exactly. for her she's like that's so small compared to the other things he was controlling about. totally totally and maybe she's like oh well it's never become like a problem before he uh-huh. just wants yeah. to know for the sake of knowing and that's a small price to pay you know who knows how yeah. it was justified um but you're right after 17 years of that it probably didn't seem like that shocking you know mm-hmm. um and she that's what she thought she was like i'm i suspect he's just coming in to like check in and see what's going on um and she knew it felt wrong but she pushed her worry aside um and she even left her alarm code the same as it always been in case he needed to come over uh which was 12:10 the day of their anniversary oh um, even though she knew that it meant Mike could come and go as he pleased. So in 2006, which was six months after their initial separation, uh, Susan separated their bank accounts and other finances to move forward with a divorce. And her friends noticed uh, she was much happier since Mike had left. And Susan was once again hopeful about her future she was only 51 at this point, And she said, I knew I had been happy. I believed I could be happy again. And she hoped that Mike could also find happiness in his own way, even That's if it also wasn't with her. Really lovely because I feel like she could have easily twisted it into, uh, I knew better all along that I marriage was never time. for me. Mm-hmm. But she's now saying, like, I want a round two eventually. So Yeah. And she's saying, you know, we had our good moments and I still wanted to be happy, which is... Yeah really lovely and so uh, you know her friends are seeing okay she's uh she's just in a much better place we're so relieved that weird man's not complaining in the background every time we call her thank god yeah um and even though she wanted mike to find happiness he simply would not uh Mm. he was just getting worse and worse becoming more and more depressed especially as the divorce proceedings went forward um on september 6 2006 51-year-old Susan was getting ready to go out of town for a nursing convention, and uh, a neighbor said Susan had asked Mike to watch her cats, but he made an excuse and said he wasn't coming over to do that for her. 
So Susan called Mike at 3 p.m. that day to check in with him, and she remembers he sounded surprised to hear from her. And he told her he was going to be at the beach, but he left a note for her at her house. And she was like, okay. So she got home around 6.30, and there was a note from Mike. Um, There's a couple different uh, sources online that kind of change the verbiage a little bit but essentially what the note said was that mike was stressed out and he couldn't go on the way things were he was going to go to the beach to get away for a bit all right so that's what the note said the alarm was still armed when susan got inside nothing seemed amiss Uh, she went upstairs and made her way down the hall toward her bedroom but she kind of had another one of those which i know i mentioned this book quite a bit but um the gift of fear where, where there sometimes your instinct knows something is wrong. Even if your conscious brain is like, no, oh, no, nothing seems off. But if yeah. even slightly part of you, basically in this scenario, what felt off is that it was too dark in her house. Mm. And she knows that she always opens the curtains in the morning and she's walking towards her bedroom and she's thinking, why is it so dark in there? Um, oh, something is off and it seems like a small thing, but like subconsciously she knew something wasn't right right so she's walking toward her bedroom it's too dark in there even though it's still light outside and she pressed the feeling down which is kind of what that whole book tells you not to do or tries to teach you not to do even though it's human nature to talk yourself out of your instinctual feelings yeah. a lot of the time so she pushes the feeling away she's like maybe i just forgot to open the blinds this morning um and suddenly as she walks toward her bedroom a man charges out of the darkness toward her oh fuck he is wearing yellow gloves he is holding a hammer (gasps) and he looks absolutely menacing almost excited like ew worked up and excited and she does not know who this man is he swings the hammer at susan hits her in the head and face (gasps) with the hammer susan just kick-ass Susan draws upon her self-defense training from what she had taken at work at her nursing job. She got her hands around the attacker's neck and she told him, you are not going to kill me in my own home. Oh, shit. And she began to squeeze his neck until his face turned purple. Good. But she started to get, she, she just could not bring herself. Basically, once she got to a point where his face was turning purple, she let go. She didn't want to murder this person. And one investigator even later said she's used to helping people. This was the complete opposite to what her whole purpose in life is. So she's an emergency room nurse. Like she's not supposed to be strangling someone to death, you know, even in self-defense. So she lets go and expects him to kind of fall over or back down. But instead he punches her in the face. So he is not giving up this fight easily. She went down when she got punched in the face, but she took him with her. Like grabbed him and dragged him down with her to the floor. And that's where she began to wrestle with him. Okay. Susan recalls realizing he was not going to give up the weapon. And then it came to me and I became the weapon. (gasps) Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. That's a one liner I can rock. That's yes. Wow. 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 So she bit him everywhere she could while they struggled. She thought that at least police could link her death to him with dental records Mm -hmm. if she didn't survive, which like to be thinking that in that moment is so scary and so badass that like your brain even thinks like, okay, well, I'll bite him so that they know who did this, you know. 
Um, at this point, the fight had been going on for 14 minutes. She's oh like fighting God, for her life so with exhausting. a stranger in her hallway. Susan at one point finally got her leg on top of him and wrapped an arm around his neck, strangling him. Uh, and Susan yelled, tell me who sent you here and I will call you a fucking ambulance. <gasps> wow. That is so amazing. Wow. What a fucking hero. So she tried to let go to give him a chance to speak, but instead he went to attack her again. Like he is just not giving up on this. And Su- Susan suddenly realized like, I cannot let this person go. I have to, yeah. I have to squeeze his neck until he stops moving or else he's going to kill me. Yeah. So she squeezed his neck until he stopped moving. She grabbed the hammer, ran to her neighbor's house, had them call 911. And then first responders were able to transport Susan to the hospital by the way, the hospital where she worked as an <gasps> ER nurse. Oh. Imagine that. Um, and she was treated there for multiple injuries, including blunt force trauma, bruises, and bite wounds. So she had Shit. bite wounds from that guy, which is like, oh, talk about violating. God. Oh, my God. So she, this whole time, was just so on edge, hoping that the attacker was unconscious but not dead. She mm-hmm. was like, I just couldn't bring myself to think like what if i'd killed somebody yeah um and the idea was horrifying but when police arrived they did find the attacker dead at the scene so she had Mm. killed him uh he was laying in the hallway where he had attacked her they found a wallet and id in his pocket and they found out his name was ed haffy ed haffy okay yeah, so ed was a 59 year old vietnam vet with previous criminal charges uh and what a weird coincidence. He was a janitor who worked for Mike. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was wondering when, when you kept saying that he was, um, like, he wasn't giving up. And I was like, that's someone who's been in the military, I think. I was oh, like, interesting. Yeah. And I was like, that's, I mean, that sounds like a link to to Mike right there of, like, being a soldier, you being, know? Yeah, being, like, tasked with something and not not giving up. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. So in the autopsy, uh, the coroner found, oh, well, this might also be even more of a reason than the soldier uh-huh. thing, but they found a near lethal dose of cocaine in Ed's system. So that he was also surely ought to do it. <laughs> coked out of his mind when he Oof. was attacking her as well. Um, so even before she knew he worked for Mike, this is where exactly like that fucking book, uh, The Gift of Fear, she was like, I think Mike might be involved. And mm-hmm. even her friends were like, I don't think so why on earth would your ex do this and the fact that she immediately thought mike has something to do with this is like see your subconscious like knows stuff sometimes yeah Yeah. even if you like push it down or whatever like the guy gavin de becker who who wrote that book um the gift of fear he has uh stories in that book about meeting with people and they say to him like i don't know who's stalking me and he Mm. says I think you might. And a lot of times people know they just, they just don't have, it's like somewhere buried subconscious. They, that he said, you know, he asked these questions and they're like, well, this guy, you know, it would make some sense, but people like to bury their, those things to be those thoughts to be more convenient or, you know, less troublesome. But a lot of times your subconscious like knows exactly who has it out for you. Oof. So she immediately was like, I think Mike's involved, uh, even though her fr- family was like, what? Like, that doesn't make any sense. I feel like it makes perfect sense. But I okay. feel like it makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Susan's friend went to Susan's house, and uh, while she was there, she found a backpack in the basement that did not belong to Susan. Okay, well. The backpack belonged to Ed Haffey. And so, of course, she's like, well, this is evidence. I'm calling the police. And so she didn't touch it. They took it uh, in for evidence. And inside was a day planner with kittens all over it. No, I'm just <gasps> kidding. That was oh, her oh my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> he had a boring day planner with no cats on it. That was the ultimate red flag. Yeah. So they find uh, a day planner inside the backpack with a note written two days before the attack, September 4th. And it says, call Mike. <laughs> okay. Well, ding, ding, ding. Yeah. There was also an envelope containing a note that listed Mike's cell phone number. So, like, hello. It's obviously this hitman had Mike's phone number in his planner, in his day I, planner. I wonder if the, the hitman was even like, I'm going to leave my bag down here as evidence in case something happens to me so they know exactly. Like I, I think he just had no plan to let her live and was like, I'll just grab my backpack because he broke in. I assume he broke oh, into yeah. the basement, set down his bag, went to go murder, was going to like eat a sandwich, grab his bag and leave, you know? Like, well, I don't so think do he we... ever thought, oh, I'm going to get killed by this 51-year-old lady. That's true. That's true. Because he was a professional hitman. And he, well, I'll get to that. But basically, I don't think he ever planned to not leave that house. I All think, right. Fair um, enough. I think he just left his bag down there thinking like, I wonder, oh, well, well, do you think? It. Do you think that's why he had so much cocaine in his system to like hype him up to do it? I assume so. Yeah. Okay. I assume that that was probably part of his um, strategy. Yeah. yeah. Process. <laughs> Yikes. Oy. So... At this point, nobody could get a hold of Mike. And finally, police tracked him down. And guess what? He was at the fucking beach, like he said. <laughs> he had... Oh, so now in hindsight, that note was an alibi. He was basically saying, I went, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, he went to the beach. That way, if anyone yeah. ever found it, uh, they'd be like, oh, well, it says he was at the beach. Well, he was at the beach this whole time. So he, they found him 20 miles away uh, at the beach, September 14th. And first, uh, I, I know I keep saying red red flag but he didn't ask how susan was it was very odd because he knew she had been attacked he mm. didn't reach out to her her family or her friends uh essentially at this point if he were innocent he did know that a hitman had tried to kill his soon-to-be ex-wife and it didn't it seemed like he didn't give a shit okay. so already like okay i think we we all know where this is going mike admitted to the police that he did know ed haffey and at that point they were like Okay, so then you're involved. Like, you can't tell us you know this guy and then, like, expect us to believe you had nothing to do with it. Oh, right, right, right. But, of course, he insisted he had nothing to do with it, and they arrested him anyway. Because but he, he was just... at the beach. It was, he it was... was, it was a, <laughs> uh, an absolute perfect plan. Look at these board shorts. Yeah. <laughs> How could I have had anything to do with this? Even though I know the hitman who was in my wife's bedroom and knew the alarm code and it was had my phone number in his planner. Airtight strategy. I Air don't tight. know. I don't know what anyone <laughs> is looking at me for. I don't either. So for a year, Mike denied any involvement while investigators built their case and pieced together a timeline. Um, so they pieced together this timeline. Essentially, weeks before the attack, Mike had lost his job, which, as we know from a lot of other 
stories where Mm -hmm. men attack their families or their wives or partners um a lot of times that's sort of a trigger incident financial struggles he was already so threatened about her having more money about finances exactly and so i imagine losing his job is not helping the situation Mm -mm. um and susan had changed her brother to be her main beneficiary of her life insurance policy uh, which mike did know so he didn't know he wouldn't get any life insurance money but their house had been paid off and so uh, he had got would have gotten the house if she died, which had a value of about three hundred thousand. Can you imagine killing someone over a fucking house? Over like, like a, ha- it's just I, no. I mean, no. <laughs> obviously, no. I cannot. But yeah, I just like, but can't like, even imagine. It's, it's like you know, we hear so much about life insurance, like oh, a one point five million dollar life insurance policy, and it's like he knew he didn't even get the life insurance money, and he's like whatever, I'll still have her murdered. I mean, right? Not that not that it's a good enough reason to get life insurance money but you know yeah it just just seems like a shitty plan is all i'm saying i would just like if if someone were to tell me their reason for doing something like that i would expect it to be a relatively compelling yeah much more compelling but like a house i'd be like okay then i I, I truly don't see the logic it's yeah it seems like the risk is just not there for that Uh for that outcome you know exactly um so Ed Haffey had actually served nine years in prison for conspiracy to commit aggravated murder after he arranged the killing of his own ex-girlfriend in 1991. Which oh, so we've been here before. We've been here before. Okay. He had arranged for her murder and she it had unfortunately been successful and she had been killed. And so he Shit. had already been in prison for nine years uh, on that charge. Mm-hmm. And according to his relatives, um, for what it's worth, Ed had grown up in a comfortable upper middle class family. Um, after his 2003 release from prison, he moved to Portland, where Mike Kuhnhausen hired him onto the janitorial staff at Fantasy Adult Video. Okay. So that's where they work together. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. So on September 6, 2006, which is the day that Ed attacked Susan, uh, Mike drove to the coast, to the beach, for a while uh, before he went back to Portland for the night. And that next day, he spent over $300 on a revolver at a local pawn shop what uh, okay he left a suicide note at his dad's house that said all okay it said all i ever wanted was to be loved and every time i had it i fucked it up oh okay so like a pretty clear clear cut we don't have to wonder where his yeah. issues come from okay yeah it's very dark uh mm-hmm. very tragic but fortunately police were able to track him down um, before he, you know, made any rash moves and I mean, you know, more rash than hiring a hitman to kill your yeah. ex-wife. But <laughs> anyway, uh, he was found. They tracked him down a week later. And after an 11 hour psychiatric hold, police charged him with conspiracy to commit murder. Finally, nearly a year after the attack, he gave in. He pled guilty and he was only sentenced to 10 years in prison, which was only one more year than his hired assassin ed had served for the same crime Hmm. um so that was a little bit odd but i guess maybe it's because she survived and so he didn't get more than nine or more than 10 years i'm not sure i feel like if you're going to jail for nine years the first time around and then you do this a second time you clearly haven't learned anything and thus the time should be longer well the first time the nine years was for ed haffy the hitman Oh, 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 oh okay sorry and then this one is for uh mike got who it. hired okay. ed if that right. makes sense yes sorry so susan actually read a victim impact statement in front of the court okay and um these are always so powerful 
And she told Mike, at least if I believed you deserved to die, I would have had the balls to kill you myself. Wow. So she basically told him, you hired someone to kill me. You didn't even have the balls to do it with your own two hands. That's <laughs> like, I mean, this girl is full. Like she's apparently overweight, but not over life. And she <laughs> knows the how- one liners are just coming at us. The power hard. of words with this yeah. one. She's yes. incredible. She is. Um, so basically she told him like, listen, if I was going to kill you, at least I'd do it myself. You coward. (laughs) Right. Just like fucking kick. One last kick. Yeah. Yeah. So despite everything, uh, Mike's sentence gave him the possibility to get out of jail two years early for good behavior. Uh, I'll never understand the system. (laughs) I'll never get it. No, I don't think if there's any sense to be found. Um, So, unfortunately, Susan, to this day, struggles with the fact that she killed Ed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I imagine that that's an extremely traumatizing thing to go through to, like, with your bare hands. Well, especially someone who is truly, I mean, since the beginning of you describing her, she's so full of life and happy and wants to help people. And she just is optimistic, joyful. Like the last person who should ever have to have this on their conscience. Yes. Uh, Yes, yes. Because exactly. even, I mean, I, I'm sure she was fully aware that like it, anyone in that situation would have had to do the exact same thing she yeah. did. But like, right. Like logically, I'm sure she understands like, okay, it was his life or yours, you know? Yeah, and like, like he was it, going to kill you. Exactly. But there's still, I mean, to take a life is mm-hmm. definitely going to weigh on you. Yeah. Yeah. And um, if you want some more goose camp from her beautiful verbiage, her beautiful yeah. one-liners, I have one for you here. Yeah. So... Heartbroken with guilt over killing Ed, even though it was obviously in self-defense, Susan felt that she got the hardest sentence of all. She said, quote, I began a life sentence. I've killed a man. I don't get time off for good behavior. Oh, shit. Whoa. But also very well said. Beautifully spoken. Like, and also like she literally had good behavior. She was like a great she yeah, is like probably only good behavior. like only a good person and this fucking happened so yep. like what bullshit she, got, she has to carry that with her so it haunted her to remember what she had done even though it was to save her own life um she obviously struggled a lot going even home yeah at the end of the day and like your alarm is on the alarm was on when she got home and that guy was attacking her so it's like I, I can't imagine being a person who's ever had to deal with any type of break-in and then feel safe going home, let alone, like, something as extreme as them attacking exactly. you, you know? Exactly, and especially in that exact hallway. And no, she said she I would... would yeah, she said she I'd would be... find... Yeah, I know. I don't know how how you would do it. She said she would sometimes find herself frozen in the hallway, just, like, oh. hit with that, like, you know, memory of the attack. Well, anytime um, you also like walk past that room and in the corner of your eyes, someone's standing there. Like imagine, that room would like, have to be fully well lit with cameras all the time for me to even think about still being feel in that safe house at all. I mean, to like have somebody rush at you from the dark in your own home while oh the alarm is on. That it, poor woman. That poor woman. Oh horrible. My God. And a 14 minute fight. It's not even like, Oof. not that it would be better, but like the fact that it lasted so long. I'm, oh my God. The the changes my brain would go through to to have to To just go back to living survive yeah yeah exactly so ed haffey's aunt actually the the hitman uh his aunt sent a letter of support to susan in 2010 
which said, although, although this was a terrible thing that happened, no one in this family has any bad feelings toward you. You did what you were forced to do, and in doing so, you spared many from the same trauma you experienced. Yeah. Which is like a beautiful thing for his relative to say, you know, like... I think so, too. To try and assuage her guilt. Although... Even on top of the guilt, she still lived in fear of Mike's release. Mm-hmm. Uh, she sure. changed her driving routes. She always sat facing the door in restaurants. Um, she sold the house and moved into a house with a gravel driveway so she could hear other people approach. Wow. It's one of those things. I'm telling it's like it's you gotta have gone through a trauma to even be so hyper vigilant to think about things like, well, when I move, there has to be gravel. Like, yes, to, this is something people don't even, most people don't even think about, including myself. And then, you know, the, the way your mind has to survive with like hacks yeah. almost like, Oh, well, I can hear them coming and yeah. I'm going to face the door just in case. I mean, yeah, the hyper vigilance must be exhausting. Yeah. Um, obviously she had never suspected before that he had would hire someone to kill her. And now she was like, well, now he's been in prison maybe he's gonna do it again when he's out you know Oh, truly i mean that would be my first thought and like the fact that he because it's one thing i imagine to have to live life in that first house and like having to walk past the room every day where someone died and it was like you were involved in that yeah um and to have to go to have to face that trauma nonstop. but at least in those moments you can think like it's over. It's just a memory. It's over. Just a memory. But there's also the true reality that eventually then, he comes exactly. out and this re- this memory isn't just a memory. It could because happen again. It's, right. It's not even just the, the trauma, the PTSD of like, oh, it's just reliving in your mind. It's like, oh, no, that that fear is still very much present. It's, and a re- like, it's another potential. A risk. Yes, yeah. exactly. And so that risk was still real. And so she thought to herself, like, either he could have he could still hire somebody from inside prison, or maybe once he gets out of prison, he could just come after me himself. I mean, I mean, I my first thought would be he's pissed that he had to spend all this exactly. time in jail. Of, and he wasn't even he didn't even have to deal with that the first time he exactly. tried to put out a hit on. So me. maybe now he wants to finish the job. Who knows? Oh, my God. So, you know, I mean, that's just something she has to go on with for the rest of her life. Uh, She did sue Mike for emotional damage, uh, basically in order to make sure he didn't have the funds to pay another hitman, which is uh, good. Good. What what an awesome roundabout way to to handle that situation. Also, like, it's so sad, though, that like you even have to think about that. But uh, yeah, do whatever you need to. Exactly. So an NBC report quoted Susan in saying, I've spent the last eight years hoping and praying he doesn't have any hidden funds anywhere. I'm Oof. hoping he hasn't found someone in prison who said you just hired the wrong guy. Yep. God. Yep. The and, fear. There's, and there's nothing that anyone can do to help you. Like, like, I mean, I've only heard the phrasing, but when people say like, oh, well, the people who say that they're going to come back, ne- they never come back. It's like, you don't know. Like, you it could be the, f- it could be, I could be the one where you they, never they, know. they come back. There's no way to talk yourself out of that fear. I mean. It's so sad. It is. And, and like, she was in an episode I watched of, um, <laughs> who the bleep did I marry? Uh, I don't know if you've <laughs> ever seen that show. It's, I know, uh, but I already know the premise. So. It's a, oh, yeah. It's, of course, an investigation discovery uh, series. Uh-huh. And so she was in an episode of that. And, and it's really cool to hear her say all these, like, her beautiful one-liners, like, in person, yeah. on camera. Um, but it was hard to watch because she gave a few, like, tearful interviews near the end of the episode. Mm. Uh, at one point she said she only hoped she could find more peace as time went on 
She would hope she'd someday be free from the guilt of what happened. And she even hoped Mike might find his own freedom. And she said she hoped he could one day realize how much we, his family and herself, all loved him. She just was like, I wish he would just see that we all loved him and he didn't need to do this, you know, which is really powerful. I also Um, wonder about like even like the the side family members who were thinking like, I mean, they don't have they don't need to be doing this, but I'm sure I would do this with like any any level of um, involvement, uh, involvement, just being like, wow, like she just all she ever said was she didn't want to get married like why did i put and out we an pushed ad her and like, into it or yeah, yeah yeah it's just oh my god there's so many different people who can find reasons to think that they're at fault and and you're totally right like obviously it's not her mom's fault that she had no to, but if i know, kill if someone. i if i put an ad out for you and the person you met caused all, i would, <laughs> was a I, murderer for yeah. the rest of my life i would be i would just be like i can't believe i totally especially because you you know i'm sure she only had the best intentions and it's Mm -hmm. like wow that turned so on its head you know like she wanted only happiness for her daughter and then it went so awry um so mike kuhnhausen passed away in 2014 from cancer uh this was 92 days before his scheduled release on wow so he never actually made it out of prison that poor woman i can't imagine the sigh of relief i can't imagine I mean, and this is somebody who doesn't want people to suffer or die. You know, she just that right. relief of like, at least I'm safe. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, she didn't like hold vengeance against him. She just Oof. wanted to make sure she was, you know, not wow. having to look over her shoulder every minute. Yeah. And so, at the time of his death, oh, by the way, he maintained his innocence until his death, um, of course insisting he, did. he had nothing to do with the attack. Mm-hmm. And at the time of his death, Susan was still struggling with trauma and guilt. And when she first found out she'd killed her attacker in 2006, she thought about the man Ed's family and the people who might love him. And I mean, think about how um, just like beautiful of a soul you have to have to like kill someone in self-defense and then immediately think about the people who loved that person and that you're hurting them like that. You know, it's just pretty amazing. Um, So she had thought about that when, when she first found out that she had killed him, but she also said, I did not choose this death for him. I chose my life, which I think is really powerful way to look at it. You know, good job. Yeah. So according to Willamette week, remember that's the one that the original, yeah, <laughs> the original, um, start a uh, full circle classified ad was in. Yeah. Susan didn't know how to feel about people calling her a hero. Um, she didn't feel like a hero and her boss told her they're not calling you a hero because you killed a man. They're calling you a hero because they want to believe given the same circumstances, they too might survive. Oh, truly. What a beautiful statement. Like you're yeah. not a hero because you killed someone. You're a hero because you fought and defended yourself and protected your own life. And and you did it with a couple badass lines, I got to say. And you had the one-liners to fucking prove it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I just, I can't, I can't ima- imagine being in someone's shoes no. and being able to react that quickly or that wisely. I, I always, um, I envy people who... I mean, it's a weird thing to say envy because I don't hope or wish I don't hope for them or wish for me to be in that situation. But I I know as someone who freezes, like I'm I do envy that people have an instinct to fight. And I I just I'm very glad she was one of those people who had an instinct to fight. And hopefully none of us ever have to find out in that scenario which one we would be, you know. Exactly. Um, 
So online in, for example, on Reddit and on TikTok, um, the internet hails Susan posts like badass of the week, uh, focusing on Susan's attack as sort of like a cool action movie hero. But Susan herself kind of focuses (laughs) in other directions. I think she was never super comfortable with the term like hero or Mm -hmm. badass of the week, even though to, to me, I find her to be. Um, but she basically now is able to find peace through empowering others to learn self-defense techniques like the ones she used to save herself. Jesus, what, what a, a powerful good woman. What, a, what fuck- a good person. What an amazing like legacy to leave, to even protect yourself. Like Clearly, this is helping her heal, too. But then to help other people in the process, it's just well, so cool. Well, all she ever wanted to do is help people, and now she's just found another way to do exactly. it. Exactly exactly it's amazing and so she wants people to know that they are capable of saving their own lives if it ever comes down to it which Mm. i think is just a really cool concept and you know i think this might have inspired me because i've always said i wanted to take self-defense classes i never have um but i think maybe i'll look into it i i well I, i hope you do i also think um i mean not to tell you what to do with your own child, but I feel like if you get her in young, she like will like always have that instinct of like knowing yeah, what to do. To start, I, start them early. I've always said, um, you know, when Allison and I like pretend to talk about having kids one day, I really don't care if they're um, athletic or can do like a musical instrument or anything. But I think my only like demand is that I will put them into self defense as yeah. early as possible, just to so they always have something in their pocket that you know could help them or someone else so absolutely i think it's really important and you know i say that as somebody who's never even taken a class so i know i feel I just, like i need to like follow my own act follow my words with I know. some action i'm one of those people who like i'm just always scared to start something in the fear of being bad at it and, like, <laughs> well i know but you, you can't have to be, be any more bad at it than i already am so yeah, like, like i, I can only to... go up from here <laughs> i have to be bad at it to get good at it but exactly I, but i it's still scary and intimidating and so but i mean like even like i mean i've always thought it'd be so badass to do like krav maga or whatever Mm because they like teach you how to use anything around you as a weapon i'm like holy crap that's amazing but no i i'm happy for you if you if you were to start self-defense classes that'd be so cool if anybody out there is listening and they're like maybe i'll look into it you know i just google mapped which classes are near me um i might do some little goog some googs after this yeah and uh, i encourage you to try it too just to see i mean i know um not everybody identifies as a woman who listens to the show but um i know there are specifically classes geared toward women um i'm sure there are classes geared toward uh just anyone in general um yeah. you know it sounds like susan took classes at work at the er as a nurse they oh, probably wow. had some sort of training at work um so you know i think there's a lot of different angles you could take you could do krav maga like em said <laughs> that sounds pretty badass all, all i know is wonder woman does krav maga well, so <laughs> i don't need to hear anymore <laughs> i'm um, convinced what uh blaze does jujitsu or what, what he was did yeah he, he did jujitsu for a few years in la and then um you know, he hasn't really done much of it in Cincinnati. I don't know. I think he found a place near us and then we never really, because of COVID. Was you know. he good at it or did he like it? or He really liked it. Yeah, he really liked it. I feel like that was another, I think any martial art is probably a really cool way to learn some self-defense, you know? Oh, it's certainly worth your time. I've, I've always, have you seen the videos of people doing like the Bruce Lee, like one inch punch thing? no that blows my mind it's like you're literally like like if this is the item you're punching like your hand is this far away so you just go bam and that but like 
can break multiple what bricks at a time, can break bone. It's like, no wonder you're like scared of being bad at it. You see that. You're like, I can't like that's do the person that. I spar with at first. I'm just no, like, but- I need to learn how to run away. I can't even do that part. That one punch though. I, I mean, I, I'll never, I'm fine. Like dying, never having learned it, but like, <laughs> I want to see someone in real life do it one time because it's just it looks it it looks like it can't possibly be real, but it is real. It's it's just it is so crazy. It's just so out of what I'm used to. So wow, that's awesome. Go look up like a one inch punch or I'm Bruce going Lee. to because I don't even know what that is. Um, it's cr- oh beyond. It looks like there's online classes too. That's cool. Oh, but yeah, that's if anybody, fun. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. But anyway, if anybody also like has suggestions, uh, hit me up. Let me know. Nice. I'm curious. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I hope uh, you have fun with that. My, the highlight for me, I took Taekwondo at eight years old and I broke a board with my foot and that Fuck was, yeah. that was the, that's more than I've ever done. Ended on a high. <laughs> and it was, you. it was like one of the ones where you like, your leg was up in the air kick. Damn. It, I know. Well, I was, Damn, I'm impressed. I was flexible at eight years old, so uh, nowadays oh, I couldn't. You in know a what? Years. I wasn't. So <laughs> I gotta say, you're already a step ahead of me. Well, keep us updated. I want to know about your little self defense journey. Yeah, I hope I. So. You guys keep me uh, keep me account accounted for here. Keep me accountable because I really want to do it. But I'm sure as soon as we hang up, I'll go drink my Starbucks and completely forget. So <laughs> <laughs> let me know if you have any suggestions on classes you've taken or types of martial arts. I'm just curious. Um. What a good episode. This was a very, I feel like we both had solid stories. I love that we're in the 300s and we're just like starting strong, you know? It it took 300 episodes, but we got here. Uh, (laughs) Finally, we broke a board with our foot. And I also like that, uh, you know, we started with a case of the Mondays and now I'm like all jazzed up. So wait, I'm, I'm about to cry. This is so sweet. What? Okay, I found an online course called GracieUniversity.com, and they have a bully-proof summer camp. And it says, every month in the United States, 3 million children miss school due to fear of bullies. In the Gracie Bully-Proof program, our goal is to instill your child with unshakable confidence so they can overcome bullies without violence. That's and so it's sweet. like countermeasures to use verbal assertiveness, nonviolent self-defense techniques if they're attacked. Gracie program. We don't teach how to punch or kick, and this, this often does more harm than good. We use leverage-based control holds to neutralize threats without violence. Oh, what that's... a cool concept! Like this is what I would like my kid to do. You know? Yeah. I wonder. Who... I love this concept: fighting fire with water Aww. to like neutralize an attack instead of like fight back. That's so sweet. That's I wonder so who, kind. I wonder who Gracie is. I would love to know, like, how how did this? Uh, who's Gracie? I feel like she like figured it out. She's like, oh, I got to protect all these little girls. I love it. That's so, I'm on the I'm on the website too. They do uh, adult classes too. They have classes for little kids five to seven. That's so sweet. Okay, wow. Gracie University. Oh, it's not just for girls. It's, it's all kids. Yeah, okay. it's for grownups too. Oh, very, very cool. I just love that it's like bully, like anti-bullying, you know. That's so cute. Oh, that's very lovely. Oh, so cool. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you for this. And it's jujitsu. Okay. All right. Well, I think Leona's about to be its youngest member. (laughs) Oh, Blaze and Leona can go to jujitsu. I like how I've already removed myself from the situation. Daddy, daughter, (laughs) date. Daddy, daughter, date. Blaze and Leona can go. I'll stay at home. (laughs) Gracie bullyproof test. Oh, and you can get all all your belts. Oh, oh, man. How neat is that? Man. Okay. Well, I'm sure that's one of many great programs, but how fun. Uh, wow. What a, what a, what a good uh, episode, Christine. A good find. We fi- I'm so I, proud of you. Good job, Em. 
Oh, thank you. I was going to say, uh, good for you. I think you finally found a topic that ends with everyone feeling inspired. So What a beautiful moment for everybody. <laughs> Enjoy it, because it's not going to last much longer, okay? <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, well, um, I guess that's it then, huh? We'll see everyone in November. Or no, it is November now when this comes out. Oh, shit. Okay, we're going to sing a, sing a cool song next week. Oh, oh yes, we are. Yes, we I are. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Christine like, has lost it, do, officially. Like, do not put that kind of pressure on me. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll sing a song next week. Okay. And that's why we drink. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace Courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain.